Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. Dogs of Warcry is a podcast from the Mortal Realms focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. You can expect discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain, campaigns, and events. Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. In episode 4 of season 5, we're going to talk about the quest for Talaxis event Run Up in the Minneapolis area by Dan from the Salty Sea. We're going to interview him and pick his brain to find out why he planned it, how he planned it, and what he thought of it. My name is Josh, and answering the call with me this week, Eric, Vint, and of course, our special guest, Dan. How are you guys doing? Woo! Having fun. Looking forward Woo! to chatting this this episode about uh, uh, Dan's event from a couple weekends back and uh, uh, how he came up and... Uh, just had more fun than we expected to have. It was super great. <laughs> so fun. So fun. Lots of nice yep. terrain and tables. It was a blast. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys yeah. think so. so. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. What yeah. a smashing, smashingly good time. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we're going to dig into all of that shortly. But first, uh, we are going to hit hit the Forge of Mithraxis. Talk about the hobby we've been working on. Josh, why don't you kick us off? I will do that. So a lot of the hobby, you know, since our last podcast was really kind of painting up my Saigor and prepping for the, the, you know, the event that we went to, which was a blast. In the meantime, I've been working on my Sundered Fate terrain, trying to get it painted up so that it may continue to have some well-painted sets of terrain around the house or around the, well, the house too, but yes, in the game store. And, um, you know, especially with now the new box coming out, <laughs> trying to get this set painted before the next set comes out. That's about it. That's fantastic. Since we uh, haven't, you know, uh, covered all this, so I'll talk a little bit about kind of pre this this event. Um, I decided to take my uh, KO warband, war my flying elves, and so I had most of them done. And you'd think, well, you've got your warband done that you played through league; they're all painted. It's fine. You, you go to an event, and it's easy peasy. Well, no, because then I decided to paint up uh, those new void scarred corsairs that came out for kill team are a perfect fit for this army. It's like games workshop decided to build a, or put out a model set that fits my custom army. Um, so yeah. I, I painted like three or four new models uh, to revamp the, the war band a little bit. And then I've just been working on uh, my cog fort encampment, which is uh, kind of one of those necromunda terrain uh, things that I've, I think I've talked about that a little bit. And then uh, just working on my second, Cities of Sigmar Warband, uh, heavy heavy on the long beards, um, and so just trying to get them painted up. All of this, I'm doing a second Cities of Sigmar Warband because I'm hoping to be able to get a whole Cities of Sigmar like Path to Glory army started. Uh, nice. So it's kind of kind of working it out that way. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Vint, how about you? Uh, I have been doing uh, a lot of work. Uh, I was just talking to the guys right before the call about uh, the tournament season being in full swing for me. Uh, I've got four events in the next two months, one of them being Adepticon, where I'll be playing all four days. And it's going to be so much fun and a really good time. I'm really looking forward to it, but it does mean that it is hobby crunch time. Uh, so I built a bunch of Warhammer 40k models, but I am also working on uh, specifically, and I've got my Corvus, they got their first game in, finally, after much ado. 
and then I'm working on a second Zeech list, and it's it's built around kind of inspired by the Arcane Cataclysm box. And uh, you know, Dan, you've talked about it too. I see as I've seen a couple videos. Uh, they uh, but there's it's super fun. I really like the the Cursling model, and I kind of shelved it, and then. After you know hearing about it and looking through it, I was like, "This guy's pretty cool." So uh, I built him up, and I want to build a warband around him that runs parallel to the other two stories. Um, I've also been on a Jade Obelisk building spree, and uh, the three sets I've been able to buy, trade, or otherwise find myself into, um, I've been able to use and have been putting into some uh, some of the Age of Sigmar lists that I've been building. Trying out on the table, and they've been really fun. Um, really, awesome. very different in Age of Sigmar for fit and feel uh, from what they are in Warcry. So that's been interesting too. So hmm. you're really sticking to 2020 Zinch. Uh, yeah. Yep. You've got you've got like four different uh, band, war, war bands and armies that you're playing uh, in that in that vein. Oh yeah, absolutely. And anything Age of Sigmar that I'm touching is going to be Zinch for sure. So uh, at Adepticon, uh, I'll be playing Zinchy themed Beasts of Chaos. Um, or actual Zeech guys for the for the Warcry events too. So I'll be lots and lots and lots of Zeech. Got to stick to it. You don't have our integrity, <laughs> right, Eric? <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, how about you, Dan? Obviously, preparing for a big event, you probably had a lot of stuff you had to work on before that, but you probably got some personal projects too. What are you working on? Yeah, so before the event, I really only painted terrain for about a month and a half. But now I get to paint... Uh, miniatures which is great so i'm <laughs> i kind of always do things in a scattershot way so i'm building lumineth right now and painting zinch because i also got the arcane cataclysm box in the fall so really excited about zinch um my slanesh are essentially in the zinch color scheme of blue and pink mm. uh, i didn't really love the uh sort of purple and gray of regular slanesh so i just painted Slanesh as Zinch, and now my Zinch, I had to find something different. But I wanted to, especially now that the ally rules in Warcry have changed to be like all allies all the time, I want my Chaos forces to be as compatible with each other as possible. Mm. So I've got some, some very greenish Nurgle, so now I'm painting my Zinch. A little bit like the GW color scheme, but imagine if every part that's pink was green instead. Hmm. So then the idea is that the Zinch will be halfway between the Slanesh and the Nurgle so that, you know, they can ally back and forth. I still can't really mix the Slanesh and Nurgle very well. They don't really go together looks-wise. But at least, you know, the Slanesh and the Zinch will go together fine, and the Zinch and the Nurgle will go together fine, and... Um, it's been fun painting the kind of blue and greens of uh, of that color scheme. So that's nice. what I'm that's what I'm doing right now. So you think you'll have like one alignment as the base army, and then you ally one of each, and then you get a, a monster in that's uh, painted like corn, and you get all of them together. Sort of. Um, I have yeah, I have my corn. It's sort of siloed off. It's I went with uh, red and black and white. They have like white skull faces, and then. Most of it is red with then black trim. So corn doesn't really play well with others on my table. They were one of yeah. the first factions <laughs> I ever painted. And I think that that fits lore-wise anyway, because corn has no friends. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, yeah, the other three Chaos Gods, though, are all going to be friends, at least the way I'm painting them. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Very cool. All right. Josh, why don't you take us to the Path of Glory? Path of Glory! Yes. So, obviously, we've had our league up and running. We took a a little hiatus while we were practicing for the event. Um, Still had some good league games in there. But we have kicked it off again, and uh, Mike has been um, very generous to kind of kick off with this campaign arc that we're trying out it's so far it's been a lot of fun it's kind of an adopted one from someone in our discord that shared it that adopted it from the uh, the original core book uh, right now we, uh, the last particular mission we had we had the cursed relic artifact which causes damage at the end of your activation but there was also an altar in the center of the board where you got the cursed relic from that somebody could go and Cause damage to themselves, d6 damage, as well as the artifact bearer. So they ended up with some, you know, a variety of different flavors in each game. Some people used it extensively, other people did not. But it was a really fun mission, so looking forward to the next one this week. In terms of what I've got, I've been playing with the Jade Obelisk. Um, They've been really fun to play, but I've definitely had the worst luck in terms of, like, models dying. (laughs) So many have died. (laughs) It's been insane. (laughs) But... They're finally getting some artifacts, and I'm I'm hoping to get an ally soon. But yeah, man, I can't believe how many models I've had to replace. It's been it's been crazy. So you have, I have this question. This might be the wrong place. I'm, you brought in the competitive person, and then you you're talking about <laughs> these Are you finding because they have so many slow glass cannons, and I wonder, you know, their damage output is some of the best in the entire game. So I just wonder, like. Have you been able to make that work, or is this models dying thing? It's like when you're when you're fragile and you're slow and you don't get to choose your engagements. Is that just too much of a deal breaker? Um, yeah, so it's more. Um, so you're right that some of them hit really hard, um, and, and fortunately, there, there's a couple doubles. One for the, um, uh, the the ones with tools, and they've got movement four, and then the other one for the the movement three guys. And uh, the doubles, one of them adds, you know, plus one strength and plus one to each damage for hit and crits, which is awesome. And then the other one does uh, something similar, but um, only after you've hit them once. But so both of those are really nice and easy to use doubles. And uh, I found that having a a mixture of movement four and threes in each of my, uh, you know, Heimer Dagger shields is is the best way to go. And and, um, I think that the main thing I've got is trying to get the Obelisk Bearer and the priest is kind of near enough to each other that people can take advantage of that healing, although I haven't had to use it a whole lot. The Most of the dying happens, you know, in the stupid, uh, you know, post-game phase. Where it's like, okay, oh. maybe it's only three <laughs> okay. models, but yeah, they, they die, die, and I have to buy them back. Oh, However, okay. in, the, in, the, in the Cursed Relic mission, you know, because I was like hot potatoing this hot, you know, Cursed Relic as far as I could. I mean, my models were dying left and right off the board because... The D6 damage sounds really high, but, right. but but that's different. But um, but I have found that they can be quite effective in, in tag teaming. And and you're right, you just have to kind of time the movement three guys, like put them in the front, you know, when they get on the board and then use the double for the extra, you know, for some extra movement to get them in place. But, uh, but the toughness for it does help. Okay. On to me, then. Uh, yes. That double-decker game of with on Josh's custom board was... A lot of fun. We had, what was it, seven people playing? Yeah, that was a blast. And I, I brought my uh, kids out for that night because it was just a, a night they didn't have uh, one of their regular scheduled things. So I, they, they always asked to come out to game night. 
Um, and we have such a good crew that uh, very welcoming to, to them. And my youngest seven got to roll dice for one of our other players. And uh, she's, she's not a timid kid. So she had, a, she had a lot of fun with that. And then Joe appreciated it. Yes. Yes. She rolled really well for him. And it was, <laughs> dad would love a little bit of that, uh, that uh, magic, but uh, it wasn't, it wasn't for me that night. And then um, I've been playing the long beards. I think I've got like uh, six long beards and a couple of heroes and a couple of demigriff knights. And uh, to my, I guess I've been playing uh, cities of Sigmar. You know, I played them in our first league and, you know, a lot of uh, humans and a lot of horse riders and not a lot of punch, a lot of running away, a lot of dying, that sort of thing. And so I was like, okay, I, I, I'm trying to pick around the long beards and, and figure out what, what I can place around them to make them fun and make them interesting. And uh, uh, it turns out uh, the first game I played um, with them, it was, it was trying to figure out if I should bring them to the tournament, dance tournament. Um, and they had a Korgrath in it and stuff like that. But I had a, a unit of like a uh, two long beards and a, and a hero. And uh, they fended off, I think, one and a half Korgraths. And it took one down and, and took another one uh, mostly down. And then uh, in another game, they took out, uh, it was a kill your leader. Like kill the opponent's leader. And my opponent had a mega boss. And I was like, what? And I had a keeper of the, uh, keeper of the gate which is a dwarf with you know 18 wounds or whatever. And I'm like, this is not going to work. So I, I managed to just create a shield wall, like of six long beards around my hero. And he had to come to me. I ended up, he, he, I'm just like breaking against my line. And then uh, his, I had a, my demigriffs were able to do enough wounds to him. And then I had a long beard chase down his mega boss who fled and I hacked <laughs> him down. And I was, I felt invincible. And then we came up against uh, Joe's mighty Lord of corn. And uh, I could not for the life of me, like it would just smash everything. And I don't know if it was like, it was all my rhythms were off or everything was just not working. And I was like, oh, okay. It's a, yeah. It's a combination Chow. of his artifacts and heroic traits and stuff too. It's just yeah, it's he, tough. He has, you know, he has a couple of artifacts that are, you know, like that just make him hard, hard to beat. Um, but we, uh, we played this first, this artifact mission for our uh, campaign arc. Uh, second round, I set up my my leader with three little long beards in a corner, within a within a, a, a movement range of his mighty lord of corn, and I was like, "This is the best I could do to just like keep him out." And he had the he had the quest to have his hero slay another hero in order to get another heroic trait, and so he it was too tasty. Uh, I mean that, so he came charging in, uh, <laughs> and I countered the heck out of him. Uh, yeah. uh, mm. and I did something like 16 wounds of counters, uh, <laughs> in the first, like he, so he has this ability that lets him, um, uh, basically end up doing like four attacks with, before he even has a rampage, like just, I can't remember what it is. So it's probably three attacks. Uh, uh, so, but he did a lot of attacking and then a lot of taking wounds. And then I was able to, uh, kind of out activate him. So I could get him off of his his reactions and that sort of stuff, and then I brought my keeper of the gate and put pulverize on him uh, for for a double. I think uh, ended up doing like another eighteen wounds on that, and I was able to just then the rest of it was just the little long beards hitting them uh, with if they had any uh, attacks left. I think one of them had an attack left, and was able to take out the mighty lord of corn for the first time out of like oh, three yeah. games. 
Nice. So, so the, the long beards are racking up quite a set of trophies, big heads uh, on their pikes. So, yeah, well, the, that counter with high toughness is so yeah. nasty. Yeah, yeah. That's, yep. that's great. So, so those have been my games, and uh, I am almost uh, my next quest. I so I just got uh, an ally, um, and it, I think it's going to be one of my Canoff hunters, the Cog of Wrath, probably. And then uh, my next mission, uh, or something next Tuesday, we're going to play. I'm hoping to fight. Uh, for control of my monster so I can add a monster to my list because it's the one thing I haven't done. Not one thing, but one of the things I haven't done in our leagues. So that's a lot of things. A lot of a lot <laughs> of uh, a lot of narrative gaming going on there. So right. Right. Uh Vint, how about you? I uh did a bunch of uh I did a teach kind of like a rehashing or a teaching game. I've been convincing some of my coworkers to play uh, so I got my buddy Ben to play a game with me and it was Stormcast versus the Corvus Cabal. Uh, and Karadak, the, uh, the taker didn't, uh, do a lot of taking. Um, I managed to mob up and kill his Lord Relictor and then got really beat up by some retributors and it was, it was a fun game. It was, uh, the mission and I forget what it's called where the, you turn the objectives on if you go first or second and turn them off. It was very similar to the, one of the ones you ran, Dan. And it was, uh, there it is. Yeah. So we did that one. And it was it was fun. It was cool. Uh, it was teaching objective play, and just kind of some real basic stuff. And it's always fun to get somebody into the hobby. Uh, we played it at a store that's not normally on the circuit of stores that has a great Warhammer scene, but it's really close to my work. So I'm glad that we had a lot of people coming over. What are you doing? That looks like Dungeons and Dragons. No, fam, it is Warcry. Um, so it was super fun to kind of get down there and do that and. Uh, had you know had some people drum up some interest and um, there's like a small kill team community at this shop because it's downtown in Madison mm-hmm. and so hopefully talking to some of them and seeing if we can get them since they're already into skirmish games right. they already understand the mechanics because they're so close <laughs> you know come try some war cry right, and nice. then it'd be fun to <laughs> yes yes come to the light side <laughs> through chaos um but it's, it's very exciting, and getting to talk to some of the people and getting to play the game was cool. Uh, they also, like, their terrain is very strange because it's, it's a lot of stuff that you would use for, like, Dungeons & Dragons walls and more, like, building buildings out of it or using, like, township-looking things. Oh, so yeah. the game was fun just because you're, you're running around and jumping on top of and over and around buildings, which worked a lot to my advantage. Uh, I think it would have been a lot more one-sided had there not been... Uh, and we kept it kind of scarce because I knew it would be it would be really rude if I was like, all right, and here's all this really climby terrain. Here we go. Like, um, <laughs> so especially with the Corvus, but I did want a few things to perch on. So I had a couple places where I could kind of perch. Um, and he, we've played a couple times now, but this was still like it was his first time with objectives. And we haven't we played a few weeks, like probably like three or four weeks ago, right before the holidays a few times and then we've been getting some games in down here just to kind of refresh and rehearse. Uh, he's moving from the age of Sigmar side, but he just downsized a lot of his stuff because he didn't have room for it. And I was like, keep a handful of stuff so we can play Warcry. And now, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And now him and his, uh, his girlfriend just got into gets, which what a time to get into gets, but uh, just got into a bunch of really cool gets and his painting and they're having hobby nights at their house. So new Sweet. hobbyist um, getting them out of the downtown area is pretty, pretty difficult but it, it's nice, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, 
you know, smiles per minute is the way to measure games. And it, if that was the case, <laughs> it was a swimming success for both of us. So. Excellent. Nicely done. A lot of fun. Awesome. Dan, tell yeah. us uh, about some games you've been up to. So played a few games recently. Um, our play group has been kind of testing out the Rumble Pack missions to see which two we should put in our event uh, coming up in March. Um, getting getting really incredible games out of all of the four objective ones that um, that you put a secondary with, except for the one where you can burn the objective once you control it, because that one's a little bit problematic because you can't catch up because as soon as you're winning, you just burn all the objectives and then they there aren't enough points left on the board. Right. Um, but all the other ones are incredible. Just like really cool, interesting games. Um, and having the secondary objectives is kind of a fun extra wrinkle. As long as you're not in one of the ones where there's just a lot of bookkeeping, like in the six objective missions, and you count every objective is a different number of points. And then when you add a secondary onto it, it's just so much bookkeeping. Um, But with the four objective ones, it doesn't, that's not really an issue. And so they've been consistently giving people incredible games, which is cool. And then uh, outside of those sorts of test games, I also played, um, I've played one campaign game since, uh, since the tournament, my sort of, is it Affliction Cyst, the uh, Archvillain Games uh, Skaven Heroes that you can get? I've had a, a Plague Priest slash Grey Seer from them for a while who uh, leads a band of Pestilence-inspired Storm Fiends. The list is just three Storm Fiends, a Grey Seer, <laughs> and one Plague Monk. <laughs> wow, um, keeping it thin. And they're all they're all painted in pestilence. Color. All the storm fiends are painted in uh, yellow, and it's mostly green because it's sort of yellow blue gradients that are green for most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know they're all looking for the great technopox because it's it's essentially a scryer <laughs> warband. But I didn't really like the scryer <laughs> colors, so I painted scryer but pestilence. And they were victorious against the forces of Greywater Fastness. Actually, they're doing really well in in their campaign. I think they're like four and two now, but which is not something I would expect for a five model warband. But uh, they were victorious. But Rickett broke both of his legs. Uh, he is a three D printed fragile resin miniature. He uh, was defeated in the battle. He died, even though all three of my storm fiends and my plague monk, plague monk live. Uh, he laid down his life. And broke both of his legs in the process. And no. uh, so they're going to be shelved <laughs> for a little while um, <laughs> while I figure out the best way to uh, put him back on his legs. His legs are still glued to the base, but he is no longer attached to his legs. Okay. So I'll need to figure that out. Um, but it was a good game, and uh, it was good that he went out on a win. Right, right. <laughs> But we, we hope Rickett has a speedy recovery. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> right, right. You know, pestilence, you got to get worried those diseases. Eventually things start to fall off. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Though, you know, I'm more worried about infection with him than I would be for most. So we'll see. <laughs> so if I may ask, uh, what was the Greywater Fastness uh, list that you've been playing against? Yeah, so this was actually 
this was this person's first campaign game, so I played without my artifact, but it was kind of a mix. They had a Warden King, one Gyro Bomber, although we agreed that Gyro Bombers are not very good. Sure. But it's the model is so sweet that like yep. you can't you can't not run it, you know? So in campaign it's like, yeah, we'll go for it. And then Matt was trying out a mix of what's the shield and hammer, but they're not as big as a long beard? Uh, the, the iron breakers? Yes, oh. iron breakers. They had uh, three iron breakers and then one of the grudge hammer torpedo and uh, three, I think, of the just shooter guys. They look like tiny little lead belchers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got the, the mortar thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and then uh, one free guild uh, shooter. Mm. Um, one of the guys with a gun and a horse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think there's definitely... Some, so if you want to get degenerate with them, you can always just run a million of the shield dwarves and then just counter everything. I mean, you were kind of alluding to <laughs> yep, it as yeah. well, right? <laughs> chuckle, chuckle, and if you're going to take Dispossessed and be competitive with them, I think that's the route. There's something... You know, as far as like more casual fun games, there's something to the like Greywater fastness. I'm going to take all of our Thunderers and just uh, try to get as many shots in in round one as I can and then just yeah. hold on for dear life while uh, everything that survived just kind of runs across the table at me. Um, there's something there too, but uh, yeah, they kind of just had a mix of both. Yeah. No, I was. <laughs> There's a there's a place somewhere of doing Greywater fastness with a KO ally and yeah, or, or a, a Stormcast shooter ally with twenty inches and just giving them carte blanche on the first turn to shoot a shoot up a bunch of stuff. But yeah, no, that's fun. That's that's fun to hear. Awesome. Well, it sounds like everybody's had some really fun games uh, mm-hmm. at the tournament, but since the tournament, and uh, I know around here that after the the event, there was just a uh, invigoration for playing more games. So uh, maybe a byproduct of, of getting to play games against cool people. Oh yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. Vint, you want to lead us into the visions of madness? Yeah, we are ready for the visions of madness in this. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that we have coming out. I haven't gotten to see yet. Like uh, the blood hunt. We've Woo-hoo. got the claws of Karanak and the Askergan true blades. What do you guys think of those so far? Pre-order comes out on the 11th. Yeah, which is this upcoming Saturday. Well, Saturday. as of recording of this. Right, right. Yeah, who's got who's got a favorite and uh, wants to share? I'm Team Jacob. I love the corn dogs. Um, <laughs> I actually like the Astrogan True Bloods or True Blades as well. But the uh, they did a battle report on Warhammer Plus, and you can never trust those for like tactics or anything but as far as showing off the models and they'll show a couple abilities too Mm -hmm. and the uh the guy on all fours they all have an ability where if they're near the guy on all fours they can spend a double to inspiring presence him just it can only work on him 
if you do two of the guy on all fours, uh, you can have him all over the place. All of his friends can sort of whenever they go, they can have the guy on all fours cheat forward a little bit. If you have multiple doubles, you could chain. So you could have your guy on all fours, and as long as he gets within eight inches of the other one, uh, you can have that one go two, and you could go three times in a row, which is pretty fun. Um, so definitely looking to, you know, once I get the box, I'll probably try to trade for a second one. And it sounds like most people are more into the True Blade, so I might be able to do that without too much. No, it seems like there's a couple of abilities or things that have a very that are very thematic or very like colorful, which is pretty cool. That one sounds like uh, he's a frat guy, and everyone's yelling "chug, chug, chug," and, <laughs> and he won't stop. <laughs> which also works pretty well with corn. I mean, right, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, it's nice that the guy is such a cool model too. So it's it's kind of cool that they have some abilities, you know, kind of focused around him specifically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think taking, again, taking a, a, a page out of some of the other warbands we've got where they take like a uh, a, a lesser god of, of the faction or something or create kind of a, a new, you know, like the speaker for the Jade Obelisk, right? Yeah. Um, but this is uh, Karanak, a, a known, um, you know, flesh hound uh, character. Uh, and it's kind of cool to give more story and pad, pad that, that lore a little bit more. And these guys definitely have you know are all decked out trying what i what i don't know that this is revealing but it might be is that flesh hounds were all once people is that is that what we're getting at with that dude on all fours or i'm not sure is it that all of them were once people or that some of them are i don't know i don't know yeah i mean that, that dude on all fours has like that back hair just like the flesh hounds so <laughs> yeah he does <laughs> slowly transforming yeah. that's what it seems like although he still has like armor claws on at it the armor blade and claws mm-hmm. yeah but yeah would anybody else have thoughts on on the karanak guys well i guess that really shows that i'll probably be turning into a karanak soon with the same back hair but you know um <laughs> nothing a little less can't figure out uh no the i think i think they're pretty awesome i think it'll explain more in the book but i do think they're doing interesting things because you see it mirrored in like warhammer underworlds where people are turning into Korgrats, like these are things that aren't maybe as clearly explained. Um, and now they're going through and like fleshing out, no pun intended, all this lore uh, on on the different corn that monsters. That pun was intense. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure? Be- I don't know. Um, it better have been intended. We're professionals here. Yeah, well, yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm, I'm also Team Jacob. I think the, the new models are going to be super sick. I think they're going to be really great. I'm excited for more corn anything because after reading a few of the corn books, uh, Red Feast and this, the excerpts from Mortal Mortals and Gods, I believe, or Mortals and something, um, one of the bigger bigger books of uh, anthologies. Uh, I just really liked the the corn mortals and the Corgus cool origin story, and um, this is just this just lines up with more more lore for an army I'm already excited and passionate about. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait till I'm. 37 and can play it uh <laughs> but it's gonna be corn is that what you're saying <laughs> yes yes well no i, I skip corn and i go into slanesh and that's just oh, not gonna no, happen right. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just not gonna happen um that's funny. 46 yeah. 46 yeah 46 it'll be great uh, josh who who are you leaning towards 
Um, I really like the masks that the Claws of Karnak have. It's really hilarious that they've got the, you know, you gotta feel bad for the demons a little bit. I'm like, okay, they're, they're skinning the demons and putting their faces on. Yeah. But the, but uh, I think I, I really leading into the, the True Blades just because they're um, their armor and it kind of like, well, let's see what's all right. Their ethnic kind of um, inspiration is really cool. You know, it's kind of like this Tibetan um, Asian sort of feel. And, and, you know, I like the Cypher Lords and they're, they're monks from Hish and these guys are monks, you know, uh, from Gur. So it certainly fits in my theme there. And uh, I was thinking, yeah, it might be my first uh, death war band that, I, that I'm that interested nice. in playing. So I'm looking forward to Come it. Come over to Nagash. And I might be shaky on this lore-wise, but did they explain that the True Blades are actually good guys? Uh, they've got yeah. the soul-like curse, but they don't eat people, and they like dedicate all of their lives to, you know, meditating so that they can control the curse and not eat people. And uh, I heard they glimmer in the yeah. sunlight, but that's just you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be a fun painting job. <laughs> yeah. So, no, but yeah, I think I do think that they went to the vegetarian vampire well, though. I mean, they I think they eat beasts instead, and that's why they're in the Gnarlwood. Yeah, um, and that's why they're fighting the claws of Karanak because you know they're basically beasts. But yeah, there's yeah. this. What I like is it's a kind of a continuation of um, kind of replacing, trying to replace their bestial hunger with. Um, some sort of uh, with behaviors and practices that help them control it, right? Very, very anti-corn, right? Corn's like unleash yeah. the beast, and these guys are like uh, hold it in until you know you can't. Um, and and I think you know, I think some of the other vampire lore is like that. The other thing that I like about it too is that it, you know, like the um, who are the cursed city vampire uh, clan. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Russian werewolves. I think it's Vorskir. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, there you go. And they have kind of like uh, that, yeah, the Vorskir ver- is kind of a bestial version of that vampire. And they've sort of merged vampires and werewolves together in Age of Sigmar, right? Like vampires turn into werewolves or, you know, something like that, right? Like winged bat wolves. Um, and so this kind of, I like that it continues on that, but there's another vein of it. You know, this one kind of almost looks like a, like you can almost see this one having like uh, like nine tails or something like that, right? Like a fox spirit or something. Hmm. Um, So uh, I like that it's sort of adding another layer to the vampires, which can be a tough one because there's so much like, you know, in the, in the popular, in in the, you know, books written about vampires of different veins, like Edward, Mm -hmm. right? Um, (laughs) So it's cool that it's doing something different. I lean, I lean a little more towards death myself as well, but uh, I I don't have a single corn, like, Chaos Army. For some reason, I can't. No, I have my un- Untamed Beasts. Is in. I was going to say. I was going to say. They're yeah. barely chaos. They're uh, they're yeah. pretty good people. They, you know, they're just out there hunting <laughs> and living their lives, tearing yep. down civilization. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, I lean that way myself. <laughs> I know a bunch of us have talked about it, but switching over to the Warcry FAQ that was just released too, and that was that had some real intense changes uh what do you what do you think josh right out of the gate your first few impressions on uh the work right faq it was awesome yeah had a lot of really nice needed fixes and uh, also it reintroduced bladeborne but i think everybody agrees that it would have been really nice if they had adjusted the points values for those models that needed it but otherwise i think 
lots of great content, lots of interesting changes. Although I am sad to see that the monsters went up so much more in price. It makes sense. I totally get it, but I'm glad I got to play with my Psychor when I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was happy to see um, the the one rule allowing uh, ranged attacks that don't have a minimum to treat uh, to be able to to act in melee within three inches, basically. Yeah. So yeah. Um, interesting change. Whereas there's you know second edition sort of put like four different new conditions on shooting to kind of rein it in. Uh, it feels like it gave a, gave us half of a half a point back kind of thing. So as someone who likes to, to sprinkle in shooting and flying, like a little bit of everything, uh, it's nice to have a little bit more flexibility in that. So I liked that one. Yeah, I mean, I think changing the monsters was really impactful. I think the the extra points to them really, really stack and make sense. Um, I, I'm curious to see what it's going to mean for future lists list with the monsters too, um, if they're going to be as prolific or not as prolific. I mean, I was expecting to see a monster explosion when I was up uh, up north by you, Dan, and I, I saw I right. saw two, and I got to kill one. We'll get into that later. <laughs> it, it just, uh, I don't know. I'm curious to see what it'll shake up. Dan, what are your thoughts? I think it's really cool that of the sort of most powerful three things that you can do, all of them were nerfed in at least some small way, um, you know, some more than others, but that's really cool. I think for anyone who regularly goes to events, I think this is great. If you're the kind of person who, say, loved their Soulblight Gravelords, but felt kind of bad about it, and now... Well, they got the smallest nerf of all of the various nerfs that came in. But, you know, if you were doing some of the more degenerate things in the game and, and worried that you couldn't go to a more casual event or a narrative tournament with your favorite list, you know, this is a lot better for that. Like, balance is better balance is just good for everyone, not just yep. competitive players, right? Absolutely. Um, so I think that that's really exciting. And, you know, all of the things, right, lead from the back was probably too impactful when you put it in with corn or iron golems. Um, Swift as the wind was definitely too impactful with all of the slow teams. Like any move three fighter that was getting boosted by Swift as the wind was a little bit too much. And now, you know, they have that. So, yeah, I think it's all really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and if Dan's too humble to say, he did put out a YouTube video kind of covering it, which is nicely detailed. So, Yeah, it's really well mentioning. done. Absolutely. Super well done. All right, did you have any thoughts, Eric? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I liked... I mean, the monster thing is good to, to address it. They sort of just slapped, you know, 125 points on everything, a few things more, a few things less, which whenever it's kind of like a, a blanket, maybe I feel like it could be tweaked a little bit more or little more thought into it because you know like there's a few things like a giant um you know el guzzler gargant that probably could have stayed at at the points it was to see more you know time on the table you know but uh i think i think it you know i hope it adds some more uh, opportunity to use the monsters still but not feel so bad about them because i i want them to be a fun part of the game but Mm -hmm. um So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But otherwise, uh, it, yeah, it was cool getting another uh, FAQ so soon and being able to just kind of keep up with the changes and and uh, feedback from the community. That's, that's uh-huh. fantastic. I love the, the state that this game is in, that it is so 
iterative and there's new stuff coming out and um, it's very well supported, which means, which, which drives interest into events and leagues and that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, very happy for that. Oh, and you awesome. guys had a podcast going way before this game was supported. So I mean, <laughs> well, this is a real victory lap for dogs of war cry, I think. Yeah. I mean that, that first season was pretty good. It was not, definitely not the same. Uh, it was a different kind of, of release schedule than right now. Like this is definitely feels like a heyday. Uh, and I think we could get into that sometime of like it, very needed after, you know, uh, a pandemic of, you know, and, and supply chain issues to kind of reinvigorate uh, the yep. game. Uh, definitely. So, yeah. Very cool. Definitely a good time. Yeah. Lucky. For sure. Sweet. All right. With that, we'll move into our circle of paint challenge. And uh, Vit was already bragging about his monster. So we'll let him kick off his update first. I mean, mine's been done for a, a while done, now. Right? Done, or just done, 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 done. He, uh, he he played in an Age of Sigmar game this weekend and got his head smashed in by a troll. He's played <laughs> stuff in in uh, with my Chaos Legionnaires, and he got his head smashed in by other things there. Uh, <laughs> he's a cool <laughs> tentacle monster, and he's awesome. He got to sit on the the holiday tree. Uh, he's he's gotten his his full his full lapse of of glorious <laughs> death uh, as a giant tentacle thing. Now he did he has come in clutch a couple games, but yeah, he's been painted for a minute. I've been allying him in uh, with some of the other generals as I've been playing Zeech all year. It's really easy to keep my stories straight, <laughs> so <laughs> just been able to put him into different lists. Uh, I have a feeling that if I don't, he's also really nice because he's a big monster. So if I'm gonna play. AOS, or if I'm going to be playing any of the many Chaos factions for Warcry, and I don't get my painting done, I can just slam him into the list and be like, cool, I've got a giant tentacle monster. And <laughs> and that's awesome, and I get to make all sorts of fun uwu comments. It's great. Uh, exactly what I was aiming for every time. <laughs> um, but he's super fun. How, how is everybody else doing? Uh, Eric? Well, I yeah, my monster is built. Uh, the Cogribdis is... Uh, Everything's together. Everything's where it needs to be. The base is painted. My foliage is on point. Um, I'm I'm stalling at how I want to kind of what armor pieces and armor panels I want to paint with the blue color in the scheme because he's got this you know big kind of curve carapace type of thing and mm-hmm. I just uh, you know I could take the easy route, tape it off, and airbrush a nice gradient, um, and it looks slick. Uh, and highlight it, but there's part of me that wants to put some sort of graphic in there, which is a lot more freehand Mm -hmm. or stenciling or something like that. And I'm just sort of, it's in the back of my head trying to decide what I want to do with it and I haven't landed on anything yet. So I'm a little worried we're going to get to that end point and I still don't have it figured out. I'm just going to do something to get it done and I won't be happy with it, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, this is at episode four. We're halfway now. We're halfway. Uh, And it's it's built. So the, the second half of it is just figuring out what to do with the, with the carapace. That's it. <laughs> right, right. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm At this point, I'm actually done. So, so this, it's, that's why I kind of chose it to be in my warband for this event yeah. that we went to because I thought it would be a good motivator to get it painted up. So, And uh, people people also liked it and chose it as their favorite single model, which is a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, I, may, I might... Uh, might go back and maybe do another highlight on the skin, but I think it looks pretty good. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy with it myself. Nice. Nice. Well, 
you won't have uh, your 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 tactic of the past few seasons of waiting <laughs> to the last minute so you could see what everybody else got their standard up to. So you yeah, could just yeah. go one level above. Just think. This just won't think. work anymore. I got a Camaro too. Yeah, have a pain. Well, that's five fifteen points. So you go ahead. Right. Uh, yeah, that'd be a bit obsessive. They could go up higher with it, to be honest. <laughs> having played it in a game since the nerf. It's still a lot. <laughs> it's doable now. If you tech again if you're I know this isn't exactly uh the Dogs of War Cry special, but if you build a warband to beat a Chimera, you'll beat it this time. Like you'll okay. you'll definitely beat it. But it'll still beat any warband that's not built to beat one. Got it. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. got yeah. it. And and don't apologize. We knew what we were getting into by by bringing <laughs> a, a competitive organizer onto their, our podcast. It's really okay. fun. Fair enough. Good. Good. We to signed hear. up for this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we like like Josh said, we're four episodes into our eight eight point five nine episode season. Uh, and so by the end of our, uh, hopefully, uh, episode eight, we will all be done. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we usually do an 8.5 to, to recap after we, you know, get, uh, public polling and all that kind of stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear you guys are both done. I guess I need to catch up. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we can, you can razz me about that for the next few episodes and we'll see Perfect. how it goes. All right. So let's move on to the main topic. Uh, this episode, we wanted to talk to Dan, who uh, was the organizer uh, of the Quest for Talaxis, a competitive slash narrative uh, event uh, up in uh, Roseville, Minnesota, which is uh, right around the, the St. Paul area, Twin Cities area. And uh, our uh, local crew, the Madison crew, uh, we ended up bringing seven people up to the event and had a fantastic time full of energy, a ton of energy leading up to it, ton of energy after it. So we absolutely wanted to uh, spend some time on this podcast talking about what it was like for a bunch of narrative uh, dweebs to go up to a competitive uh, event and uh, have some fun. So uh, again, Dan, thanks for uh, coming on our podcast, taking your time and for running such a fantastic event. Hmm. Thanks for th- saying so. I uh, I had a ton of fun doing it. It's a it's a lot of work uh, to put together an event. It doesn't matter what kind of event it is. It takes uh, time and energy and uh, organization, and uh, all of that was there. Um, so why don't you describe a little bit for us about like what was, uh, what why why did you hold an event and what did you want to accomplish with uh, with with the quest for Talaxis event? Well. The first reason why I wanted to hold an event is I get the sense that there's a lot more people out there interested in playing Warcry than there are people actually playing Warcry. And I think the reason is, you know, I, I tried asking various sort of tournament directors or game stores if they would hold an event. And mostly it was just, I'm not going to do the work for a game I don't play or we'd be really into it, but we don't know anything about the game. So we have no idea how to run it. And it was just, it just occurred to me that the cohort of people who run events for tabletop miniatures games are fundamentally pretty different than the player base. Um, And it's, you know, event organizing is something that you age into to a certain extent. Right. And so Warcry really appeals to a 
slightly younger audience, present company accepted, of course, um, <laughs> slightly younger audience, a little bit newer to tabletop miniatures in general audience. And there just hasn't been time for that audience to get into that kind of tournament organizer sort of community, right? And so it just felt like there was a lot of people interested in playing who just didn't have a place to do it. And so at that point, if that's the case, uh, the thing to do is just be the one. Uh, be the one to set it up. So we'll I, do, And they will come, right? Yeah, that was the hope. You know, so um, and it worked out pretty well. So I'm happy that I did. Nice. Now, we had 24 players uh, show up for the event to throw dice and uh, smash models. Um, and uh, that was a that's a, a pretty good turnout for for a first event. Did you have a sense that you would have that many players? No, not at first. At first, we were like, well, we know that we have eight in our little play group. and you know, if we can get another four, I mean, 12's a party. 12's a good amount of people, and you can you can get a lot of games in with 12 people. So we were aiming for 12. And then a lot of people, once I put the word out there, I you know posted it in a few Facebook groups. I put it in one of my videos. And a lot of people expressed interest. Pretty incredible number to the point where if all the maybes showed up, we were going to have you know, high 30s. Luckily, very few of the maybes showed up, which I think (laughs) is the case for most maybes. Um, But, you know, also luckily, we did get a few of them. Uh, So 24 ended up being really the perfect number. Uh, We would have had boards for, I think, another six or eight of them. So it wouldn't have been a disaster if more people came, but it ended up being really the perfect number to to run an event for. Absolutely. No, I think, yeah, 12... Josh, we ran a an event that got fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, it had room for sixteen, and we got fifteen. One had to to sit out. Uh, I've seen, yeah, uh, Vint. You know, some of the Warcry events you've been to, have they been ten, twelve? What what kind of numbers are you seeing other places? Uh, I think the one down in Illinois and Peoria had, I think, sixteen, uh, sixteen or eighteen, somewhere in there. Uh, they had. It was far enough away that I had to yell to talk to Travis Giffen at the the other side of the tables. <laughs> okay. So uh, it was it was fun, um, but I, yeah, it's been it's been about that, right? It's been about yep. you know right around sixteen. Yep. So having such I mean, a such a well attended event, man. I, I like when I go to an event because I like to meet the new players and talk to people I've never met before. And this tournament was awesome for that because I I went through the whole event. And this is one of the diff six I'll use. If there were people there that I wanted to go talk to or armies I wanted to see, and I didn't have time because of all the new people I was talking to that I didn't know <laughs> to go meet everybody, like that means I've got to go back and do more of these same events, right? Like, um, cool. I've definitely been to events where I was like, man, I don't really connect with some of these people, or these people are being very clickish or standoffish. And this event was not that. This was every, it was a scrum. <laughs> you were, you were talking to two people from different play groups and some people that played from home and some people that flew from all over the place. And even the Madisonians, when you'd be talking to one of, you know, I, I was talking to Mike and I think it was Elliot. Um, 
one of the players from up up by you, but not from the normal play group. And it was just really cool. You oh, just yeah. run into so many new people uh, so quickly, and it's it's so so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's, that's really it, right? Like that Burnsville play group. I had no idea they existed, and then all of a sudden, six of them show up. It was amazing. I yeah, love to see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're fortunate. Well, enough interest down here were generated, and we're like. Yeah, we should all go do this. <laughs> so that was great. Yeah. Amazing to get that kind of enthusiasm going. It's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think, like you said, uh, in for when there's a void, somebody's got to step up and, and do it. And, you know, that kind of starts to galvanize um, disparate groups, you know. Um, even in, in Madison, there's been times where people were playing the game, uh, like even Age of Sigmar early on. People are playing it, but they're just playing it in their basement. And so you got to find ways to draw them out into the open. Uh, you know, make sure you have sunblock so they don't sunburn. But you know, get them somewhere together so they can meet each other and, and grow the community. And so it sounds like you know, I mean, it, it was very evident that there were some other groups that are nearby Minneapolis that came out, and you were kind of able to kind of uh, grab a hold of some of their attention. And and has that getting ahead of ourselves? Maybe has that spurred some more connection and uh, communication with those groups? A little bit, yeah. Actually, um, not so much that specific play group, but a lot of the uh, sync, because they still have their place to play, so they tend not mm-hmm. to drive up to Roseville since it is it is a 45-minute drive for them, sure. which is tough on a Thursday. But a lot of the sort of lone wolves uh, that we met at that tournament are no longer the lone wolves. Like all the ones who are living in the Twin Cities, you know, we... You know, I've seen four or five new faces, like people who were from that tournament um, who have shown up once to a Thursday game since then, which has been really cool. Um, and yeah, it yeah. just makes me so glad that we that we did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely got to do something similar down here. Kind of bring people back out now that the game is so well supported. Yeah. Now, what, so you were able to, I mean, you're, you have a YouTube channel. Let's Let's take a minute to plug that. We didn't put it at the top, and apologize, uh, Dan. You run a uh, YouTube channel called the Salty Sea, and let's just real quick. How long have you been uh, on YouTube uh, talking about Warcry and other other things? Uh, we're a little short of three years, um, so it'll come up three years pretty soon. But yeah, I mm-hmm. started it kind of not that long after the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at first it was, you know, I wouldn't post videos that often. So uh, I was just kind of very casually doing it. I would do little faction guides to the factions that I had at home. But I kind of worried about getting too into it because I wasn't getting to play against a lot of people. Um, you know, because of the pandemic, no one mm-hmm. was really playing against a ton of people. And then, you know, in the last 18 months or so, I've just been doing it a lot more and getting really into it. And yeah, it's been really rewarding and really fun. So would love if people who uh, haven't already would check it out. And yeah, definitely. So you've got quite, I mean, in terms of content creators or in the war Christ space, I'd say you're one, one, if not the most kind of prolific, you're putting out quite a bit of content and you're, we're, you know, in some similar discord channels, there's face group, any one of those channels feel like they influenced the turnout for the event the most. Um, so I know that posting in the sort of frozen North Facebook group, which is the kind of blanket group for wargaming in the twin cities, 
uh, or sort of in the Minnesota sort of mm-hmm. entire state area. Uh, that definitely got some people. Posting on YouTube got a lot of people. Posting in the Warcry, like Warcry specific places, uh, I don't think I got very many people from that. I think most of the really engaged folks uh, were going to hear from me kind of regardless or, you know, they were just going to find out about it no matter where I ended up posting it. Um, And things like the Warcry Facebook group, the Discord for Warcry, uh, Warcry Reddit thread, like those are, they have a lot of people, but, you know, if you're just isolating for Midwesterners, it's it's actually not that many, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I found posting in more general gaming groups that were local was better for that and then posting obviously on my on my channel because you know that's um a lot of at this point i've been really fortunate that uh some videos get a lot of eyeballs and that one did and so you know that that brought a few people and um and so did the the other one but the yeah the biggest one was and the one i was really excited about because it was a lot of people who had the models because they play aos but had just never tried out Warcry, and we got a few of them, and that was cool. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I was actually surprised and encouraged, like how many people who came to the event who had played their first game within the last, you know, few weeks, and I think in as in anticipation of coming to the event. So, yeah, to your point of like kind of people that want to play but haven't, it seemed to do its job. I think at least a handful of people I talked to um, that was there. Uh, that was their story thus far. Yeah, I knew of at least three or four people who, like you said, their first game had been a week prior, two weeks prior, something like that. And that's really yeah. cool. And just as an anecdote, I played at least one of those, uh, and it was a good game. Like uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like they were a knockover, uh, you know. Um, but you know, the ability to to get the game, understand it, play their their warband, and in, in uh, get the logic of it. Um, feel it out, know the rules, uh, intuit what they needed to do. It was it seemed like they had a high grasp of it. But one thing I've found is when we take people from Kill Team, those people, I would say, by their third Warcry game, are pretty formidable Warcry players. Mm. I would, I have found that those skills transfer over really quickly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I actually, we have one uh, former Kill Team player who plays with us who said that uh, Warcry requires a lot more skill before the game for list building, but that mm. Kill Team requires a lot more skill during the game. Okay. So if you're a confident Kill Team player and you move to Warcry and you just like get some help with your list building, uh, you're going to naturally find that you're, at least if you're playing competitively, <laughs> that, you, that you have a bit of a leg up on... Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't call us like dirty casuals or anything. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, um, the Warcry ethos is maybe a little bit more lackadaisical in a fun way, right? But um, yeah. but yeah, some of the some of the people who come over from Kill Team, they they really have that cutting edge while they're playing. Yeah, I mean, if, if you go from space lasers down to uh, uh, sharp swords. You can imagine the technology shift, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They just came from the future, that's all. Yeah, they came from the future. and was, They're fighting cavemen. Uh, uh, very cool. So you put a unique spin on this uh, in that, uh, again, you wanted to put your arms wide open, but you wanted to kind of create a hybrid 
uh, between competitive and narrative. What what brought you to that idea, and uh, what's this kind of how did you how did you come to that idea? But also then how did you kind of wrestle? What were the different uh, things that maybe were on the cutting room floor, but uh, ways that you ended up kind of combining them for this event? Yeah, so I guess the genesis of the idea is one: the Warcry community is not that big, so we should be trying to make events friendly for as many people as possible all of the time. I mean, I kind of think that's true for the bigger games too, although I get maybe maybe AOS and 40K are so big that you don't want to do that. Either way, um, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to do both. I also, it was something that I hadn't really seen done before, and I like doing things I haven't seen done before. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys actually, when you ran your tournament at Adepticon, you ended up having a reward for... I think it was most glory gained, which glory isn't correlated a hundred percent with winning, but it's like 90, 10, right? So it's like, uh, it's very difficult to come away with the most glory in a tournament. If you didn't at least go three and one. Yeah. Or I guess three and oh, yeah. In 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 the tournament you ran three and oh, most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine winning that without doing that but you didn't tell anyone at the beginning that that's what you were going to do so there was no incentive to try to win which uh, i totally respect for what you guys were going for but i was just thinking that you know why can't these two things go together um Mm -hmm. you know you can tell a story and you can try to win at the same time because in my opinion the at least the characters in your story are trying to win so yep so those things shouldn't be mutually exclusive. And so once I knew I wanted to try to to do that, it really became about execution and about what pieces, what things are sort of working and, and not working and can kind of work for both of those things. So one thing um, I thought about a little bit was having uh, just regular, the campaign rules from you know, just the regular Warcry campaign stuff. We had done that in the narrative at Nova Open. Uh, the only issue was that with that was that I find that it's hard to get enough to happen in four games mm-hmm. to do that. And I really wanted, I wanted at least two upgrades that you could potentially play with. Um, and so I kind of created these branching quests, very heavily influenced by what you guys did at Adepticon last year, because I really felt like that worked. The only thing that I had wished I could have done at Adepticon was play with that artifact in a game mm. at that tournament. Yep. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. I think we did get to play it against the monster, right? Yes, but, exactly. You know, my artifact was plus five wounds on an Arch Revenant, <laughs> which is actually hugely impactful for how one would play in a in a one v one game. But yeah. um, I'm still not going to run it into a monster just because I've got <laughs> plus five wounds, right? <laughs> so uh, I didn't actually end up feeling it in that particular game. But yeah, so I kind of set up these branching quests where everyone would play round four with a heroic trait. I would just tell the people who were playing for the championship that, you know, you guys don't get to do it because, you know, this is competitive now at the top tables. But I just had this idea that it's too easy 
to maybe back up. I had this idea that any tournament where going one in three isn't fun is a failed tournament. Hmm. And I actually believe that about competitive tournaments as well. I know there are some people, some personality types that aren't going to have fun going 0-4 no matter what you do, right? But if you if you do some stuff and you mostly lose, but you're like in the mix and you're having fun, like that should be that should be a goal. Like every every one v one game when you have events should be fun to go one and three. So I wanted to bring in an optional artifact that the players could play with when they took their second loss to just kind of keep things engaging and new for people who weren't in the running to win the tournament. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. I didn't actually get to find out much about whether those artifact games, did any of you guys get to play an artifact game? I did not. Boy, did I. Oh yeah. yeah. Did you, did you take your two losses early? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, well, I got my, so I won my first and then lost the next three. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, it was it was super fun. Um, so I got my my Whirler trait and my relic at the same time, mm-hmm. which was pretty beefy. So game um, four, yeah, you were it made it rolling fun. both. Yeah. Okay. Yep, I had I was I was double duty. Nice. Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a riot. And a lot I thought, of fun. It, I, I, no, I say I, I thought it made a lot of sense to to bring those into play towards the end of the event, where because uh, you know when you had just mentioned that it was you could maybe have a choice of going narrative or competitive or leaning one way or the other. I was initially uh, adverse to even thinking about doing the narrative. Like if it, thinking ahead of time I was like, is it a choice? Because I didn't want to run up against somebody who wanted to play competitive, and because of an artifact taint or or make the game uh the outcome different than than what it could have been um so i really liked that in the end what it was was sort of like uh as people were getting off of the main ride of you know uh being in the in the top uh that you're like here uh here's your uh, play sword to you know or your heroic trait or whatever you know to yeah. kind of have some fun on the tail end i thought that was a, a really clever way of kind of bifurcating uh, mm-hmm. and, and giving people something to, to play with. And the other bifurcation, and I'm actually, I'm going to turn around and interview you guys a little bit. One thing I included in there was narrative quests that didn't affect uh, competitive standings. Yeah. Uh, so for uh, people at home, the first two games, you choose a quest, the factions were uh, Order, Chaos, Death, Destruction, and then there were two um, sort of GA agnostic factions. So there was Order of the Black Sun, which is out of the book called Godsbane. Uh, it's in the Black Library. Uh, the Order of the Black Sun are the villains of, of the book Godsbane. I think they're the best Warhammer villains I've read so far, which is why mm. I wanted to do a quest for them. And then uh, one that I just made up that was called Vessels of the Lifequake. But... Mm-hmm. Each of these quests had things that you could do in game that would give you points. And then, um, you know, I had a prize at the end for the person who scored the most narrative points. And I also, um, you know, we had a little. <laughs> it was me! Yeah. And then I also had a little, you know, hooray for all the people in the faction that scored the most points. Um, did you guys kind of chase those quests in game? Did you feel like it distracted or did you feel like it was, yeah, that you did it or yeah. How'd it work? 
for me, it was there was a few incidental points where I used it, where it happened to work out, and it was in line with what I needed to do. Um, and so that that was great that it was for order. It was you needed to take an objective or a treasure that belonged to your opponent and then make it yours. Uh, was one of the the things you had to do, and it played right into it. Uh, I'll say I think I was more concentrated on the the competitive the tiebreaker. What were those called? The oh tournament uh, quest tournament quests. Tournament yeah. quests because that was like the second layer on top of the victory condition and that layer, the third layer of having the narrative quests. Uh, I think I ended up not thinking about them as often as I should have. So that was for me, but you were in the running to win the tournament for quite a while, right? Yeah. I, I majored my fir- first two games and then came up against Zach uh, and, and had a major loss, had a major or minor loss for the third game. And so there was probably a slim chance of, of coming up for the that last game, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, okay. Uh, on my end, I I ended up doing a lot of the second uh, the, from playing forty k and AOS like the big hammer games. Secondaries are kind of your your primary, right? Like mm-hmm. holding objectives is one thing, but you end up kind of shooting for those secondaries, and they were fun. They're stuff that I I like doing anyway, right? So it's it's just enjoyable. I I was like, yeah, I'm going to chase these down. And then as the story progressed, it made more and more sense as to why to chase them down. So after my second loss, you know, I was I was ready game four. I was like, I don't know what crazy tournament quest is coming this time, but I'm going to go for it. And that was the one I didn't get. <laughs> but I got all the other ones um, because it just, it makes sense. And like as, as coming from those games to play more and more and more Warcry, which is awesome, I just kind of wanted to see what, the content would come from it. And I thought everybody was doing them. So I was like, man, I got to go hard. If I'm going to try and get these after I lost to Zach's second round, uh, I was like, man, if I'm going to be trying to get these, these uh, side quest points, then I really better like make sure I do the side quests. Mm-hmm. So I, I turned them in kind of a primary and it, it gives you something fun to do at the, the tables where like, Hey, I'm probably not going to win this anymore. And that's okay. I'm going to go try and win these other side quests and forward my, my grand faction. I thought that was super fun. Um, mm-hmm. I was, you know, tearing down gods. And now I'm like taking the army idea I had, which wasn't as fleshed out as a lot of my other stuff. And like, even this afternoon was talking to one of my friends about building a Jade Obelisk, uh, disciples of Zeech themed army with like an Arcanite uh, or an, an Arcanite, mm-hmm. uh, I, I incarnate. There's yeah. The word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks for bearing with me guys. Uh, but putting an incarnate in because it's just a really big idol arc. Oh yeah, um, and having like like having that in there is just something that could be fun, and uh, it really like it really did trip a lot of inspiration, and, and I got a lot out of it for doing it, just because it was a goofy fun thing to do. Like, all right, I'm gonna chase down your leader and kill it. Okay, I'm gonna run and try and hold four quarter uh, table quarters and. Um, there's, there's been other games, like if you do any of the holy events for Age of Sigmar, that's, that's the whole game is like, it doesn't matter. There's not even objectives to stand on. You're moving giant trees around, murdering you and your opponent or, you know, other goofy, you're interacting with the terrain and interacting things. And it felt, uh, going there and knowing the experience differed, like with Eric being, you know, very close to top table and talking to some of the guys on the way home, like the competitive scene didn't suffer at all for the goofy funness of everybody else. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to be learned by other TOs from your event. 
uh, Thank you. to be quite frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun to have those uh, as, as options and, and uh, you know, chasing the narrative is definitely fun because you're like, oh, what, what happens next? You know, and so kind of trying to figure out, okay, can I use this in some way or not? And then, okay, what's the next story? What do I get to choose here? There was definitely a lot of fun and added a, a fun element to, you know, the, the, the general mission, which we knew ahead of time what it was going to be. But this is this kind of adds some color and changes. Well, how do I approach this now if I also want to do this and also want the the tournament quest as well. Yeah. So it was fun. Yeah. Those options. Yeah. When I did your event in Adepticon, I remember I was choosing branches on the branching quest based on what I thought was most likely to give me a defensive artifact. Because mm-hmm. at the time, Arch Revenants were uh, these sort of glass cannon flyers. Uh, and my, yep. you know, my Arch Revenant was my leader. And so I was like, man, if, if I could get her something to keep her safe while she's flying around the board, that would be the coolest thing. Um, so I remember kind of that was a big part of it that I enjoyed was being able to chase a quest based on what I thought I could get out of it. Mm-hmm. And so that was really influential for me for creating the branching quests that uh, like gave you a different heroic trait based on what choices you had made in the previous game and right. things like that. Yeah. 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 Definitely well, a fun path. And I think, I mean, to your point, uh, it was interesting because early on in Age of Sigmar, there were some more narrative kind of uh, minded organizers that wanted to make more narrative events. And in that early days, there was some sort of like animosity about, (laughs) and I think it had something to do with like, if there was an organizer, uh, you know, an old guard organizer that people could rely on to organize events. And they were thinking about doing a narrative event. There was a concern of like that scarcity of, well, where's, you know, is that going to take away from, a competitive event that more people can go to or that sort of thing. So I definitely think that there's probably a space in Warcry right now where it's great to keep uh, kind of be broad and be able to let a lot of people in. And especially for, um, you know, people that are playing the game for the first time who aren't necessarily going to be playing the most competitive to get a feel for the narrative side of it as well, because it sounds like, I mean, you, you do both as well. Like you, you play very competitive games, you know, build your the the hardest nails you can but then you also you know run a a a campaign and have a war band that's for running fun narrative stuff i Um, do yeah yeah i've always taken narrative as uh the perfect place to run kind of off the wall lists or things that you don't know if they'll work but you know who knows you can give it a try uh so that's where like the three storm fiend (laughs) list that i talked about before came from yeah so not sure what kind of meme list i'll be able to bring to to your tournament in adepticon but i'm definitely trying to brainstorm i the one the one like limiter there is i really want to bring my arch revenant from last time because you have those continuing artifacts Uh that you get to you know the legacy artifacts and you can't just earn a legacy artifact and not bring it again. If you remember, the rule is, if you don't bring the same warband, you just have to give us a one or two sentence explanation for how your new warband got the artifact. Yeah, but nobody took her out. She's she's living her best life. She's not getting <laughs> killed by some random Zeech warband out in the middle of... <laughs> yes, 
and, right. and look and look at you making like putting putting that narrative on yourself like you exactly. are you are holding to yourself to that standard not us yeah yeah absolutely um i mean i might just have her as an ally to a different faction in sure. order but yeah yeah sure that'd be great that'd be great <laughs> uh, so how uh, any we'll talk about kind of how the day well let's well let's go there first let's go to how the event ended then in terms of the outcomes, I, this is going to feel a little awkward uh, because uh, out of how, how many kind of awards did you have available? Kind of, you know, this, the, you had best. And how uh, many of your friends won them? <laughs> you, had, you had best overall. No, no. This is where it's going to get a lot. Uh, uh, overall, uh, best overall, you had best general. You did uh, best painted army or best army, uh, which yep. was a uh, uh, community voted. Um, you had best single uh, miniature. Uh, you had best faction, uh, which yep. uh, uh, which faction won the narrative uh, event and the best player in that faction. Is that correct? Yep. And then I had a random drawing, and I had the narrative MVP, which was you know the I think it was like the the Gnarlwood Explorer Award for whoever got the most narrative points. Right, um, and and of those, I think two of them went to people who didn't come from Madison. Yes, I think that's true. That's yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, thanks for holding an event and letting us play in yeah, it first yeah. and foremost. But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, so just kind of quick shout outs, uh, or unless uh, you wanted a shout out, I know most of our team, but I didn't. I didn't catch the name of everybody who who uh, won. Did you want a shout out? Kind of, I don't know if you have that list with you of uh, kind of. Who the events the I don't have to. all the lists of winners, um, yeah, yeah. but I do have to shout out Zach. I mean, just dominating the event from mm-hmm. beginning to end in terms of never losing a game and then also winning uh, for best painted or yeah. like favorite warband. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Obviously, it was it was really close the final voting between you and and him for best painted, but. Yeah, just an incredible amount of kind of total hobby on display for him to go and get yeah. this all around. Yeah. Um, no, and yeah. and to to be clear, Zach is not known as our like in our narrative group in our league. Like he's he's never the one. He's he's actually the one who probably like least bothered to measure precisely. He's like, ah, oh, this guy moves here. It's within his space. Like he is not generally he's not the competitive. competitive. No, yeah. he's not yeah. super competitive. Uh, but there's something about you know trying to see how you do in that new environment, right? When you, you give yourself permission to be competitive. Uh, and he yep. did so well. Uh, he and I had, and, and what was, what was the other funny part about that? And I don't, maybe <laughs> is he, he fought all Madison people. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's because uh, You guys kept winning and he only oh, ever won. And so he yeah. played against other people who'd been winning and it was all you yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. And he, so knew, he just, knew our secrets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is, yeah, he knew all of our warbands and how they played uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, no, it was it was it was great. Uh, it was and and a lot of our guys. Joe is one of our you know newer players, and uh, he's only been playing for uh, maybe a month before he started playing with us. Um, and he got best general with his his uh, iron golems, iron golems yeah. uh, plus Molder plus. Um, Corn. Corn. I think Joe is the reason that lead from the back was nerfed. 
<laughs> people yeah, uh, like Joe. Yeah, Joe took it because of people like you and other people who used it. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I've, yeah. I've said in a lot of videos that I think that uh, specifically Corn and Iron Golems uh, combo with lead from the back really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little bit overrated for other warbands that don't have, like, anyway the specific attack profile that you want like for it to be good you have to have a fighter who's a good fighter on their own but then Mm -hmm. their attack profile gets a larger boost than normal like someone who does a lot of damage but on only three dice is really good with it yeah but for the most part yeah exactly that ogre breacher and the dominant try to take two and the slaughter um but we were not really seeing a ton of people succeed with just shoving random Skaven leaders into their chaos factions. Um, mostly because I think they weren't running it with the right fighters. Mm-hmm. Joe yeah. finally actually did it and, you know, did really well at a tournament with it. And mm-hmm. I've never talked with anyone at GW. I've never, um, <laughs> I've never met anyone at GW. None of them have ever commented on my videos, but I do think they're aware of who wins these big tournaments. Sure. And I'd been wondering if they were only aware of the ones on BCP, but the fact that they hit uh, both of the top lists in our tournament, that they hit, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it just yeah. feels like maybe they know who won. I yeah. don't know for sure. And, and they gave Arcanauts a boost with letting them shoot into combat, so I think they wanted me to win your event. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember which, which war bands were at that event they held at Warhammer World, but, uh, you know, there, there may be a lot of that per- perhaps. In sure, sure. Yeah. No. Well, it was uh, funny. The Warhammer World event. Uh, for people who don't know, they had a 32-player event in Warhammer World, where mm-hmm. the winner, or at least best general, was won by the only American in attendance, who uh, flew to have his sort of personal Disney World, you know, uh, you know, Warhammer Disney World experience going to Warhammer World, and he won with a four-model list that was a Chimera, a Varengard, a Nerd Cat. And uh, like I think a Marauder or just like <laughs> some sixty point unit, um, yeah. And and he managed to beat all of the Brits in their own tournament, which was oh, really man. funny. That's yeah, funny. That's funny. That's definitely why monsters went up in points. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and and I'll say, I mean, I think uh, said it a little bit too. Like uh, we've ha- had been a pretty blessed with our league and our crew. Uh, showing up, uh, you know, lots of them showing up almost every Tuesday night to play, uh, you know, sometimes getting two to three games in a night because Warcry is, you know, pretty easy to, to, to get through. Um, and so I think we've got a crew that just has a lot of reps, even for some of them just starting to play since like October. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think that, that that put a lot of gas in the tank in terms of being able to, uh, you know, and Zach to pull out, like he's been playing those seraphon and the different you know trying different things you know for six months Mm -hmm. um and so having enough reps with them to know what his army does and what were the right things to put into it to make it uh you know really ping etc etc i can't say that i I mean i think joe is a thoughtful guy um he that was his first game his first set of games with the iron golems because he had just gotten them 
uh, back. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I don't, I don't know. What, they're just a, that's probably just a strong list. Um, yeah, but one or but two he, test games, but yeah, oh, but, yeah, that was, but Joe, yeah. I mean, Joe's a great player. I mean, he's the one mm-hmm. running the mighty Lord of corn that keeps giving me trouble. Um, so, uh, he's not, a, he's, he's a good player regardless, but I think just a lot of reps, um, uh, we're pretty blessed with this, this league getting a lot of games in, uh, mm-hmm. and, and being pretty dedicated to the game. So, so, what, uh, in all of those things and all the things we talked about, is there anything that you would, uh, do different or anything that you would, uh, tweak? Have you started thinking about the, I know the next event that you're going to run is going to be a primer for Adepticon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, do you have dates on that already set? Yeah, I do. Um, it's March. Oh my God. I'm forgetting the second Sunday in March, which, uh, March 12th. There we go. Um, yeah. So it's in the second Sunday in March, which is the 12th. Uh, as far as things I would do differently, um, my next tournament is going to be very different, but not because I didn't like things that went on. I just I don't have the resources right now to write some more narrative quests. Sure. Although I wouldn't mind uh, just recycling the old ones. Honestly, I think that that worked pretty well. Sure. And I think maybe you know we could just do very small tweaks. But either way, um, the one big thing I'm going to change. For this tournament, I didn't want to make anyone sign up for BCP because I wanted it to be as new player friendly as possible. And I would consider doing it that way again. But um, I, if we had had an odd number, right, because we had 24 people, me yep. being there made us 25. I had been planning to play if we had an odd number. There's no way. There's no way I could have played mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. I didn't use an automatic Swiss pairing system. So I built myself a Google Doc that could calculate it, but it meant that I was like needing to be attached to this spreadsheet the whole time. So it was just a lot of manual labor and it wasn't something I could delegate easily because it was my Google, you know, it's yeah, like it's your spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. So it was hard to, it would have taken me 20 minutes to explain to someone. And then, you know, maybe if I'd, done that the day before it would have worked but either way so the thing i would do differently is try to use an automatic pairings system uh which is too bad because i do think that those can be a little intimidating for someone who doesn't know that actually the tournament organizer can do it for you uh Mm. but it's not clear you know anyway Mm -hmm. i would have done that that's the one thing i really would have done differently um so that so that I could have played if we had had another person. Nice. And uh, in all other cases, then did it? Did you hit the mark that you'd wanted to hit? Did you uh, run the event that you wanted to run? I mean, almost completely. The only thing I wish I'd explained the faction quests a little bit better early on. Mm-hmm. I figured because they were so front and center in the tournament pack, you know, in mm-hmm. the in the document that I gave everyone access to i thought that more people would have read that and (laughs) known what they were but it turned out you know only about half of the people there knew what was going on with that um so i wish i'd kind of explained that a little bit better so that you know we could have moved a little bit more quickly and a lot of people just went uh i'll do my generic GA1 because they just didn't want to have to think about hmm. the other ones, which is too bad because I was actually kind of excited about those ones. Um, yeah. Yep. It definitely makes me think I would only run one non GA1 in the future. Hmm. 
the thing that I had figured was that the one independent faction would win every time. And in your tournament, the independent faction won. And so I just assumed that the independent faction would win every time because half the people would do that one. Because uh, it's like you have your independent or your uh, or your GA one, and you either flip a coin or whatever, and then you just do that. Uh, but that's not really how it worked out. Almost everyone chose their Grand Alliance faction, and so mm-hmm. uh, you know maybe maybe communicating what was going on with the narrative a little more would have been better. But also in a tournament that's half narrative, half competitive, it's not that weird if only half yeah. the people are interested in the narrative. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we did find with the with Adepticon last year, too, that it was roughly half the people read the packet or knew what they were supposed to have. And fortunately, we didn't have a whole lot of issues in terms of like, no, you can't have these. We did have one person show up with an ally and we're like, oh, no, no, there's no allies in this event. We had fortunately other models to swap out, you know. But uh, but yeah, so I mean, I think that's that's something that we're learning yeah. is that, okay, there, there's going to be people who prepare adequately and there are going to be people who like show up because they want to have fun and didn't really delve into what they should have bought very much so yeah. <laughs> explaining well explaining things is good and and for adepticon uh narrative this year uh we've we've got three groups but none of them align with grand alliance so any grand alliance could fit into any of those mm-hmm. but it yeah. sort of sort of doesn't create a default for anybody uh which is you know also would you we did you did five last year Yep. So mm-hmm. going down to three uh, is going to make for a little bit lighter work, <laughs> uh, but uh, but also the benefit of like you know people have to think a little bit about what which one they're going to step into. Yeah. Um, what's your real motivation? Yep. Yep. Well, and I think it's really cool because this year we have Eric hey. helping too, right? So last year, Josh and I were like like all right, back in the pocket, throwing the hail mary. Let's get these stories out. Hoorah! Like it was super fun, but also like. We have a third, so I have to worry about two stories, not you know six or seven or whatever. Oh, yeah. That does sound better. Yeah. yeah. Though Wait. Vint had told me because you guys are doing for your stories, it's uh, money, strength, and knowledge, and yep. then you guys were adding a fourth one that's giant bees, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. no I, uh, so Dan Dan was messaging me and. Uh, Sometimes I get back to people really late, and if it's really late, there's a good chance that I'm just gonna, uh, gonna give a, a funny response. But uh, yeah, I was, I was, I have a giant beast story just for you, and I have actually got the raptor X out for your, your uh, March event that might be painted up in B color. Oh, I can't wait. But, uh, <laughs> well, I'll be doing the giant bees quest. How many bees? It can be like any some of those restaurants where there's like their real special is actually not on the menu, and you have to know right. to order it. Yeah, that fits in Gur totally. Right, <laughs> catch of the day. Yeah. Just giant bees everywhere. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. And it would work perfectly for Sylvaneth if I run it back with Sylvaneth again. So I can't wait. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) It'll be so fun. I can't wait to do the giant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I think Dan, uh, I think like we've said a a dozen times here, you, we think we ran a a really successful event. Uh, We have, so I have some very strong philosophies on narrative versus, uh, uh, competitive and where where they it's good to separate them but i was really intrigued by how you brought them together and uh, in the spectrum of being narrative and being competitive 
you found, I think you found a really cool combination that I'm excited mm-hmm. to see you kind of tease at and, and evolve and, and kind of improve on, or, or just, you know, just make it yours so that, you know, people have a, a unique experience up in the twin cities. Um, and we were really glad to have been able to come up and be a part of it. And mm-hmm. certainly there was some buzz around when you know, winning some, some titles, uh, and awards and stuff like that. Uh, but I think more than anything, it was just meeting the, all the people there, uh, who were also kind of loving around this game and, uh, and wanted to, to see the community grow. And so just kind of, a, again, a thank you for, for deciding to be the one to, to run an event and, and mm-hmm. making it something we could all come up and enjoy. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. I can't wait to do it again. Um, I know I said that my next one is going to be much fewer of the bells and whistles, but we'll be going full out with another one probably in the late summer, maybe early fall. And so, yeah, I definitely hope to be able to do it, you know, twice a year at least. So nice. And right. hopefully maybe you, I look forward to trying to yeah. make yeah. that yeah. one too. <laughs> hopefully of all the people that came to this, you can maybe find tap a couple people to help you uh even more than i know jj helped you with some uh stuff and a few other people but it's a terrain monster oh my god oh yeah six boards so many of them were just like yeah fully 3d printed labyrinths and yeah apologies for not shouting that out sooner in the episode but yes those 3d printed layouts and uh boards were so unique and uh were very immersive uh so uh you know, JJ and anybody else, everyone else who uh, brought terrain and, and made it a part of the day. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Cool. Well, any last, uh, any last words or thoughts about uh, the event uh, or anything like that guys? No, no, I think uh, now, now it's, uh, you know, we've got Adepticon coming up, which would be great. But then I think, yeah, the, the Madison crew will definitely have to try and, design some fun, interesting thing to, to bring everybody else down here. It'd be fun to do. Yeah, I can't wait. I was yeah. so sad when I It'll missed be awesome. your I- event right after Adepticon, where you ran the same thing, running it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so sad that I couldn't make it. And so the fact that, you know, you might do it again after Adepticon this year, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, the other one, uh, there are events going on. I know it's, it's pretty far south for you, Dan, but in Peoria. Uh, and I'm hoping to make those. Those are going to be bi-monthly events down there. Uh, and I go and I stay with one of my uh, one of the teammates from Tundra Tactics down there, and definitely in no way, shape, or form imbibe a bunch of alcohol <laughs> before trying to go and play a big tournament the next day. Uh, but that I think we're gonna try that. They've got a really good scene there. They've got um, he's a their their person who runs their Warcry stuff is like a hobbyist. He's like a professional mm. painter uh, for minis, and so it's like the hobby there is pretty dialed up. But on top of that, like it's it's at a really small, it's a much smaller store than even like where we play at Mox. But it's it's nice, it's fun, it's it's like the owner of the shop is really cool. The people that play there are super fun, are very sportsmany. So like you know, you're having a game that's a landslide win or loss, and you're still gonna <laughs> have a blast. And that's you know, again, smiles per minute is what you're measuring, and that's that's there. You find them there. So. I'm going to go down there and help them out with a couple tournaments. Uh, not help them. I'm going to show up at a couple tournaments and then blast them on here like I <laughs> nice. do. Uh, then talk to some of the people at uh, in the area there or see if anybody up here wants to come down. I think Joe might travel for one of them. Um, but they're going to be fun. Uh, they run good AOS events. They run good uh, Warcry events. I think they're doing a Warcry primer for competitive too. So I'll have a couple tries <laughs> to figure out if uh, we can make some ZG yeah. boys work again. But nice. Um, should be Very fun. Cool. 
Awesome. Now, before we wrap up our podcast, we're going to add some interviews from our other fellow players that went up to Dan's event, Quest for Talaxis, with us. And you'll get to hear their perspectives on how everything went. Hey, Joe. Uh, thanks for chatting with me about the event we went to, the Quest for Talaxis, a few weekends back. Um, uh, you're fairly new to Warcry, but maybe not gaming in general. Give me a quick rundown of the type of games that you've liked to play and how you got into Warcry. The games that I normally like to play are board games, uh, strategic-based board games, um, and a lot of war-based board games. Warhammer always uh, intimidated me just from a painting aspect, but this last year I decided to take the plunge and just give it a try. Awesome. Well, we're thankful you did. It's been fun having you around the last six months. Um, we went to an event up in uh, the Twin Cities, this was the first, obviously, first Warcry uh, or Warhammer event that you've gone to, or had you gone to any Warcry events since you started playing this last year? This was the very first Warcry event I've ever attended. And what did you think of a Warcry event versus other kinds of maybe game events you've been to? Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, everybody was extremely friendly. Not saying that they weren't friendly at the previous event that I went to. They were as well. Um, I think the thing that I enjoyed most is that um, I saw a lot of different War bands that I had not seen in my local scene, which was really nice to, to have that experience. All right, tell me about the list that you brought to the Quest for Talaxis. The list that I decided to go with was the Iron Golems, and then I allied in a Slaughter Priest and Master Molder. I ended up with seven total in my warband. And what led you to bring that warband? What was sort of your machinations for... Uh, like inspiration for that war band going into the event, wanting to be competitive or narrative. What what was some of your motivations? My only motivation, to be honest, was uh, Josh's son Ben painted that war band for me because he was on he was on break from college, so I wanted to actually use them because he had finished them in time for the event. That was it. Only only reason I took them. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, maybe some uh, of the four games you played. What were some standout things? Is there anything, anybody you want to shout out or that sort of thing? My first two games were a lot of fun. Uh, I played uh, AJ my second game and I believe Chris. Chris was the, the gentleman that I played the first game who actually traveled the furthest. Uh, shout out to him because he was a lot of fun. A lot of fun for the first game. Uh, my third game um, was a very competitive game. It was touch and go. Uh, that was probably the the closest game that I played um, from a from the games that I won, and then the championship game uh, was probably the best played game overall, just from the both of us. It was nip and tuck the entire way. And you played Zach in that fourth round for all the marbles, you know. So you play Zach on a regular basis here at our league. What was it like playing him in a in a tournament setting? Was it different? Was that a different Zach that you played against? It actually was. Um, Zach was uh, a little bit more competitive, actually, there than he was in our normal our normal league setting. Um, and actually, it was it was funny that uh, um, I really didn't. For me, it was I was just enjoying playing. Uh, I think Zach really wanted to. At that point, he really wanted to win, so he was actually kind of nervous and shaking that last that fourth round because, like I said, it was it was close. It was really close. You ended up taking uh, one of the awards, best general, because. Obviously, our friend Zach uh, took the number one spot uh, for best overall, which means he all he won the most games. He won all four of his games, and he got the most votes for Painted Army. So uh, you got best general as a result of that. How was it 
winning that award, going into your first war cry event, picking an army that you'd picked because it had, had good paint. And obviously you'd found a list and allies to, to make it work as best as it could. Uh, what was it like uh, taking that award, best general? Uh, very surreal, actually, um, because honestly, I was fully expecting to go up there and lose every single game um, and, and learn a lot. I think that was that was for me, that was really the main goal of the day for me is to learn more about tournament play and, and what that takes. So to actually come out of it with three major victories right off right out of the gate and then a minor loss, it honestly makes me think that uh, I got lucky uh, because um, I did not expect that at all. Sure. And I mean, we're playing a dice game, so there can be times where the ability dice go our way or a particular uh, arrangement or deployment or something goes our way, uh, something like that. Somebody makes a mistake and, and you capitalize on it. But you fought hard. It was, you know, a lot of great people. What did going to this event uh, do for your hobby or your gaming afterward? I think the thing that it probably did for me most is I was really nervous about going to Adepticon because this will be my first Adepticon. Going to this event and being there and playing through it uh, made me much more comfortable going to Adepticon and playing in events there. Um, I think that that's the biggest thing that I got out of this. Awesome. What would you say to people who are thinking about getting into Warcry, have an opportunity to go to an event? Uh, what kind of advice or uh, just what would you say to them? Uh, just do it. And at the end of the day, the entire community is so friendly that even if you, even if you don't know entirely all of the rules most of the people are going to go you could do this or you could do this um even though it was a it was a tournament setting there were st i could still hear that going on at every single one of the tables where people were pointing out things for the other it wasn't about winning or losing it was about enjoying the atmosphere awesome and getting into war cry and uh getting into our league and playing with the guys we have what has that meant uh, for you in terms of Warcry as a game and, and getting into a league? Oh my gosh, I, I think that's the reason that I've completely gone overboard and way deep into the hobby is the people that I've met here and the, the enthusiasm, the passion, the, the camaraderie that, that we have uh, within this league is just amazing. I, I, I like to tell people that you know we come to play 530 to 10 on, on Tuesday nights. And then we stand out in the parking lot for an hour afterwards, just laughing and joking with each other. It's to, it's to that level of camaraderie that I think I, I draws me to this. Awesome. And so, uh, Joe, thanks for being a part of our league. Thanks for being a part of our community. Thanks for coming to this event uh, with us and, and bringing the energy and spirit you did. And uh, congratulations on uh, a positive first event, making new friends, and uh, winning Best General. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Hey, Zach. Uh, you came to an event in the Twin Cities, a quest for Talaxis, uh, with our uh, Madison League. Tell me a little bit about your gaming history, how long you've been playing uh, Age of Sigmar or Warhammer or that sort of thing, anything else you play. Yeah, sure. So uh, I played Fantasy back in middle school, which was good, good ways back. It was 8th edition Fantasy. Then we all quit. Um, been painting models pretty much throughout, but then I've only started playing Warhammer again and only Warcry since like October. So that's it. And, uh, so 
with that in mind, uh, this Quest for Talaxis event, first event you've gone to for any other game in a, in a long time? Yeah, uh, this is the first board game event I've ever gone to, anything like that. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. You took Seraphon, which is near and dear to your heart. You've been playing it in League for a long time. Uh, going into a competitive event or a competitive narrative event and picking a list, what what reasons did you have or what are the many reasons you took the Seraphon and the list you did? And go ahead and tell us what the list was. Yeah, sure. So the list was uh, seven models. It was a Skink Priest. It was a Pterodon with Javelin. It was a Source Guard, Source Warrior with Spear, Source Knight with Spear, and then I had two allies. I had an Annihilator Prime with a Grand Hammer, and I had a Tempest Eye Rune Lord. Um, going into the list, I wanted to play Seraphon because that's what I like the most. That's what I've always played since Fantasy. Um, they're also my my favorite things to paint, so I, I knew I had a good shot at winning painted winning painted uh, categories. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, and I didn't want to bring any monsters because I just don't like them in Warcry. So I was looking at kind of figuring out what list I liked. I liked the Skink Priest. I liked the Pterodon. I was filling it out with Saurus because Saurus are pretty good. And then Mike um, recommended a couple allies. I, I picked up the Annihilator to fight monsters, and then he recommended the Rune Lord to complement that. Um, and so at the event, and you went in, uh, you play, we play a lot of narrative in our league. We play, you know, we're not too precise with our measurements. We're forgiving about forgetting things and that sort of stuff. Uh, how did it change going to a competitive event? Was it you knew you were going to want to play competitive and uh, and narrative, or or what was the what was that like? Yeah, well, so I obviously designed a list that I thought would be pretty good, um, and then the first round I ran into Josh, and he was running a Gorgon, and I felt that that was going to be one of the lists to beat if you wanted to win the event. So I ended up winning that game, and I was like, oh, I I could maybe do something here. So I decided after that to kind of take it a little bit more seriously. Um, like pre-measuring, making sure that you're within auras and outside of engagement ranges, that kind of stuff. I started to do that a lot more as we got in the second, third, and fourth games. So yeah, that was just really interesting moving from like the first game I run into a, a big scary monster. And then as soon as I won that, I'm like, well, I might have a shot at this. So I took it a bit more seriously after that one. Now walk me through any hi other highlights. So obviously you, you took out Josh's Gorgon. Uh, and then the rest of the event, you played uh, other well, you tell me. You tell you tell the audience how the rest of your games went, some of the highlights, uh, whatever you thought was notable. Yeah, sure. So first run was against uh, a Gorgon. Highlights of that game was my Annihilator dealing 10 damage to itself with two attacks from counters uh, and then taking 15 damage from the first Gorgon shot. So it was dead early round two, which was rough. Um, second game was against Vint, another Madison player. Spoiler alert. Um, he was playing Jade Obelisk. Uh, that was a fun game. My Pterodon really showed its value there. I was able to pin down his shooters and his idle arcs really easily, get on objectives. Game three was against Eric, another Madison player, uh, the person I'm talking to. Um, yeah, and that was that was a fun one. That was a little bit rough because Eric made a bit of a misplay round one, and then I, uh, it was a treasure mission. I was just able to grab the treasure and sit the entire game with it. So that wasn't my favorite game, but I did win it, which was nice. Um, and so it was fun to play against Eric. Um, and then my last game was against Joe, another Madison player, who I've also played a lot, which was pretty funny. But he was playing Iron Golems. And that one, that one I really used my uh, movement of my Warband again to just pretty easily take over the objectives. I won by a couple points in the end. So that one, that one was mostly one with movement, which I thought was really fun. My Warband was not really designed to deal damage, but 
the the movement really helped. And then uh, at the end of the game, at the end of round four, I had an extra quad. I managed to deal 35 damage with my Annihilator in one activation, which was pretty fun, but it didn't actually matter for the game. Awesome. Going into it with a hobby goal, with painting, and, and kind of that's something that you really enjoy and you wanted to bring that to the event, but then showing up and realizing that you maybe had a shot at uh, winning more games than you expected, you in the end won best overall, which meant a combination of hobby and scores in the game. You were the only one to go 4-0, and uh, and you won... Uh, got the most votes for your army, uh, kind of taking all of that, which meant a few of us could get some other trophies. So Joe got best general because because he got the next best uh, score, and I got was able to get um, a best army because mine had the next most votes. But how did it feel to kind of come out of that uh, with a couple of pretty big uh, uh, accolades? Yeah, I mean, it obviously felt good. The the best general thing at the end of the day, uh, it's 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 a dice game. I got. I got lucky with some rolls. I had all the ability dice I could ever want. I rolled a couple of rampages throughout the day, which was really nice right when I needed them. So the best general one, honestly, that could have gone to any of the people I played. So that one doesn't feel as much, but the best painted one, and really the the showing off the painted models at an event where you know you get to talk to people and you get to hear their actual feedback, it was it was so much better than posting anything online and you know not getting that many likes or whatever. So I that was the, the best part to me out of out of winning anything there was was honestly just talking to the people and the votes on the uh on the best painted that was that was the best thing about it for me awesome so coming back from an event like that uh how did that how did that hit your hobby how did that hit did that rejuvenate you did it cra- did you crash after that what happened yeah so like i said before the games i was pre-measuring a lot pretty stressful games i came back and i did not want to uh play any Warcry games for a little bit i only played one game one game at league that week and Wanted it. I don't plan on going to any more competitive events in the near future, so it definitely reduced my game playing amount, but it definitely rejuvenated my my painting. I've been painting a lot just because of the league. Honestly, playing playing every week has really motivated me to paint a bunch of stuff, and that's been a lot of fun. I've painted a whole set of terrain. I've painted two warbands now, and I'm working on some display pieces. So yeah, honestly, it's it's just motivation for painting, getting able to play every week, and especially playing in the tournament. Awesome. Well, you've been a big part of this league and growing it and bringing your hobby and inspiring other people. Um, do you have any kind of words of wisdom or advice for anybody who's thinking about getting into Warcry? Yeah, I would say the the number one thing is pick an army that looks like it would be fun to paint. Um, competitive stuff is will come and go, and trying to design for the most competitive list, especially in a narrative league, is not always the most fun. I would say pick an army or pick a scheme or pick a conversion set that makes you excited to paint the hobby and to enjoy it. I I wouldn't focus at all on competitive strength. Awesome. Well, thanks for all you do to contribute to our league. Thanks for coming out to this event and uh, uh, bringing home a big, uh, big old award and uh, just representing our group in a foreign place uh, in the best of this hobby. Thank you, Eric. Love the podcast. Aw. Hey, Ian, thanks for joining me for a few questions. Uh, I wanted to first start with maybe asking you how you got into miniature hobbying. Has this been something you've been doing a long time, something that's recent? Uh, give us a give a little uh, a rundown real quick. Uh, I kind of started with X-Wing and then that turned into Infinity. And Infinity was like my first like painting and miniature war game. 
So then I branched off into like 15, 20 other games. And then I just cut back real hard. And now I'm just playing some Warcry, some Kings of War, and a few other things like MCP. So, yeah. Very cool. Now, uh, you came with us to Quest for Talaxis up in the Twin Cities. Uh, and uh, have you been to many uh, like miniature game events uh, in the past? Yeah, I went to quite a few X-Wing and Infinity events, and then I went to Adepticon a few times for events for those games. But besides those ones, not really. So, but first, maybe your first one for Warcry, is that right? Yep, absolutely. Very cool, very cool. So how did you, what did you think of a Warcry event compared to some of those other events? What were some some uh, positives, negatives, or just comparisons? Uh, I like how lighthearted it was with the using the narrative like bonuses for the people who weren't in the top like eight or something like that. Um, just cause then as soon as you were out of that, it's like, all right, I get a fun item and now we're just having a drink and throwing dice at each other. Yeah, no, that's nice. And I think, yeah, didn't you and your, uh, about fourth round, you and your opponent were able to kind of take it easy and, and, uh, grab something to drink and have a few laughs. Uh, it sounded like you guys were having a lot of fun at your table. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Uh, I felt like I was getting completely destroyed, and then I was just like, "Oh my god, how is he doing this so much damage to me?" Then all of a sudden, I got priority one round, and I just obliterated everything he had. <laughs> uh, eight point crown helm. Well, tell called. us tell us a little bit about uh, the list you brought, and kind of going into a competitive slash narrative event. What were some ideas for why you brought that list? Uh, so on our drive up there, I asked you and Zach about which one I should bring. Cause one was my more competitive list. And one was like, I just really like this mini. So I want to take this. So my competitive list was an Orgroid Myrmidon with a Varengard and just chaff and random stuff filling that in. And my other list was a Marshal and a Chaos Lord with just some warriors. And then I had some extra points. So I just threw a Warhound in there. Just, <laughs> I didn't really think of anything about it. But then that Warhound, it wound up doing 16 damage to another Marshal during the tournament, which is pretty good. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you you kind of had a couple of options and you ended up going with kind of, uh, you think, the harder, the tougher list or the little easier list? Uh, a little bit easier in a way. A just because I'd never used the Marshal before and I, I had to learn quick. Yeah, yeah. So give us some highlights, some highs and lows, or, or just kind of some notable uh, moments from the four games you played. Uh, definitely when I got the priority with a quad on my fourth um, opponent. So then I immediately did the dragon maul spear attack quad with my centurion marshal and then i got the crit off with the pole and just did a ton of damage and killed some rat warp lightning thing with 35 <laughs> wounds and i was like all right i guess i'll take that that one was super funny and then going toe-to-toe -to -toe with jj with his marshal even though mm. my ward dog took down a bunch of wounds i just threw my marshal into his just to kill it so it was super fun to have a face off like that um, oh that's great and then Chris with the, I don't, the Untamed Beast. Yeah, that was pretty fun. He had a lot of guys on the board, but we were just laughing. And then I I, I looked at him and I was like, you know, I'm going to move this guy here. And as long as you don't roll three crits right now, I feel like this is going to kind of go my way. And then he looked at me and then I said, you rolled three crits, didn't you? And he just killed my guy immediately. <laughs> so those are some highlights. And then also just being able to enjoy games with everybody. 
Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of uh, the kind of community? There was about 24 uh, players that came up for that. What did you think of that? Did you get to meet a lot of new people? Did you like get to have a lot of good conversations? Yeah, definitely. I first three rounds, I was very talkative and I was meeting everybody and I was kind of the coffee wore off on the fourth round. And then I was just kind of like zoning out and I was ready to go go to bed. But besides yeah. that, I was pretty, pretty social and I met Avery. They were very nice. And I really liked their rat rider thing that they used. I wasn't. Oh, yeah. The brood horror. Yeah. Yep. And then JJ was pretty awesome. And then I talked to Dan a little bit. And then obviously everybody from Madison, we were all kind of talking the whole time anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, uh, how has it been um, kind of since the event? Did it energize you? Did it deplete you? What's your hobby been? How was your hobby immediately after? So immediately after I, I saw a video that Dan put out where he's called my paint job immaculate, <laughs> which I was, I don't know. I I'm only like 40% done with my war band. So that felt like I really need to keep painting them and keep going and all gas, no breaks with the uh, yeah. painting. So I'm still working on that. I'll get there. Nice. Definitely nice. Guys, man. And what would, if, if you had uh, any advice or kind of, um, you know, uh, tips uh, for anybody who's thinking about getting into the, into war cry and there was an opportunity to go to an event or jump into a league, what would be some advice you have for them? Uh, rule of cool. Definitely take two things that you really like and then fill it with things to, that will kind of synergize or boost them and help you just complete objectives. Cause then you get to play with the minis that you love and, it kind of works really well with Warcry. Nice. Well, we appreciate having you and your warband and your painting a part of our league. And it was fantastic getting to drive up there with you and get to know you because we didn't know each other that well uh, prior to that. But I feel like uh, we've gotten to know each other pretty well just in that uh, 10 hour uh, car drive. So uh, it's pretty nice when you get those opportunities to, to dig deep with people. Yeah, definitely. I look forward to more tournaments. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, are you going to be at Adepticon this year? Uh, I'll probably go down for a day to buy some just minis and stuff to paint, but I don't know if I'm really going to play anything. Right. You've got a, you've got a young one at home. Uh, it might be not the right year to, to head down there. Yeah. Hopefully next year for some tournaments. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for recording with me tonight, man. And uh, looking forward to playing some more games with you. All right. Definitely. Thanks. I'm here with Mike, who joined us, another of our league members who joined us for the Quest of Talaxis up in the Twin Cities. Mike, thanks for joining me. How you doing? I'm I'm doing good. Uh great. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. great. Still good. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about uh, kind of just real briefly, like no, seriously, briefly, uh, how, your hobby journey, how you uh, ended up playing Warcry with us in this league. Yeah, I have. Uh, um, I, I kind of developed a, a crippling addiction to uh, just consumerism and started buying a whole bunch of uh, Warhammer and other minis to start, and then uh, started buying a lot of a lot of Warhammer stuff because you you paint so many uh, different 
models from different brands and you realize that the quality is not as fun and uh, does, doesn't take paint quite as well. And um, you, you wander over to Warhammer and then, so yeah, I started, started scooping up a lot of that stuff and then um, was watching uh, some videos just to learn uh, what all of these games that I'd purchased were, were about because I just had it and I yeah didn't really know what to do with it. So a lot of internet people were like, you should try playing it. And I was like, all right, that sounds cool. And then saw a video, uh, where a couple of couple of local uh, couple of local hounds, hounds of Warcry, I think was the podcast. That's that's Darks of Warcry. Okay, okay cool. cool. I, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I saw it was a video that um, Dan from the Salty Sea did <clears throat> after I think it was Adepticon last year uh, with with Josh and Vint, and uh, I I was like I was just like listening into that, and I was like, it kind of sounds like Josh and Vint are somewhere near the Madison area, and they were, and then I wandered into a game store, uh, and I saw Dogs of Warcry stuff, and I was like, oh, interesting. I said I saw that online, and then. Um, you guys were hosting an event after Adepticon, uh, just recycling old material because you're on original. But, <laughs> but yeah, you, you held the, the the Shadow Malice event, and I came out to that and had a fun little afternoon war crying it up. And then, uh, you know, then after then the kidnapping of my family that you committed, I have to keep coming. So, you know, here we are <laughs> every Tuesday. <laughs> so, uh, so it was worth it then. Definitely. I mean, you know, it's if, if as soon as I see the picture of all the hands intact this week, I'll tell you it's worth it for this week. Well, it's a week by week thing. You participated in the Shadow of Malice uh, event, kind of the redo or the local redo of the Adepticon event. Had you gone to other kind of gaming events prior to this? <laughs> no, that was uh, the the Shadow of Malice one was the first one I'd ever done, um, and then yeah, really hadn't hadn't played until um, we started up the league. Even since then, that was my first time playing was at Shadow of Malice, and then um, yeah, we started playing around here, and then went up to the to the tournament up in Minnesota a couple couple weeks ago. So tell us about the list you took and why and why you decided to take this list to this event. Yeah, I'm pretty unoriginal, I think. It's uh I just I saw things that were easy to build and uh points wise and, and model wise and uh wanted to 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 get weird with that. So um I'd played Korgrats in our local league and uh decided that uh, just math wise, I was like, how many of those can I get in and still have a functional, semi-functional list? Um, and so I started, uh, yeah, started building out the, the, the old triple Korgarath list. And, uh, you and I had actually been kind of, uh, late on the, on the late night chats, um, kind of shooting messages back and forth just about ideas, uh, kind of just fun, fun hobby stuff and, um, kind of ended up kind of contemplating this list that was a combination of the um, a lot of the lore that was in the book um, where you know we talked about all the spawning pools and like how the um, you know the seraphon had crashed and those things got weird and this was just it ended up just kind of being this perfect merging of like lore plus models I already have plus just models I like to play um, and so I yeah, ended up making like kit bashing every model in the list <laughs> the, the three Korgrath that were all um one there's like a skink Korgrath a saurus Korgrath and then a, a pterodon slash ripperdactyl Korgrath and then um a couple of couple of weird saurus body boys for the um uh the blood reaver blood reaver chieftains and then a really really unusual looking uh, great bray shaman for that list and again a lot of i'd played the great bray and the uh the Korgrats in the local league and liked them and then i was just again was like how many how many Korgrats can i fit in here and still make it semi semi-functional and then yeah took it for a spin 
And you were inspired by the concept of, you know, craziness coming out of the spawning pools. You took it to the nth degree. Um, it put, made a pretty, uh, you set an easy to build uh, list to start with, like a few models, but then you made each one like uber complex, impossible to complete. Uh, you know, no pressure to you know to, to the point that they're still not they're still not completed. Yeah, they're they're just as they're just as gray and as untouched as they were. I'm glad you mentioned it because I wasn't gonna uh, drag you under that bus. That's fair. No, no, it's I I I did decide to paint them gray so that uh, everybody gets off my back. Uh, <laughs> different shades though, so you know, make sure I can get away with the three colors. Tell me some highlights of uh, the four games you played, uh, you know, any particular people or games that you played that you enjoyed um, uh, and and kind of it doesn't have to be a full recap, but just some some highlights. Yeah. So um, first game I played was against I and I, I it's been a while, so I can't remember everybody's names now, but I played against the um, the guy that had the really awesome uh, kind of proxied gloom spite list. So we had a two fellwater tragos and then these really fun kind of like aquatic themed um, gloom spite. And that was just I I don't think I played very well because I was just staring at them the whole time. I mentioned multiple times throughout the game. I was like, man, that looks so cool. <laughs> I don't know if it was too him or to myself, but that was really fun. Um, and that was just a really fun mission too. I like that one. That's out of the um, the Rumble Warcry Rumble pack um, that they did at Warhammer Worlds. Just an interesting mission to play on. Um, my second game, I played against Nighthaunt on an objective mission with a uh, yeah things that can keep coming back after I keep killing them. And I think I, I'm pretty sure I did the math on it. I'm, I'm fairly certain I killed seven models. Uh, in a six model list because of all the resurrection. It was, it was another, we played, we actually played on Josh's, um, big forest board. Uh, we both knocked over a tree. So that was, it was one, one. It was a draw for tree knocking. Um, but that was a really fun game just to, to have these like, you know, monsters stomping through the forest and some ghosts zipping around there too. Um, and then game three, um, we ended up playing, it was Chris, um, who had the, the one box untamed beast list. Um, and that was a, that was a blast. A lot of, a lot of trash talking back and forth for how we were not playing optimally to what they should be doing. I take that back. It was mostly him talking trash to me because I was playing objectives with corn, um, which <laughs> was completely fair, uh, running away with treasures and such. But that, that was a really fun game. It was on a really cool board. Some of the terrain that they had up there was really neat. I think it was a lot of 3D printed stuff and, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of great theme a lot of verticality which i really enjoy um and try to not use whenever possible <laughs> just you know ignore it completely so i can run on the ground um no but it, it is really fun to play on like those those taller boards um yeah and that was just a really fun game the the tete-a-tete that we had back and forth with each other was really fun and um and then my last game i played uh, against a demons of uh zinch list um, which I was immediately terrified of. I was like, cool, another objective mission against something that has got a lot of fun objective uh, holding capabilities and I've just got to kill stuff and not die. And uh, we had a, yeah, that was a, that was a very contentious, not, not contentious, that's the right, but like a competitive, like a, a really, you know, very thinky and um, yeah, really, really good back and forth. A lot of, a lot of unknowns going on with it. And I was, I was really happy though, because my list, I literally, I mean, again, I, I kind of built it more with like the narrative focus in mind. Um, you know, the idea is like blending everything together, but um, you know, I was like, I, and, uh, I talked to Joe about it beforehand and like, he and I were both like, look, if we go like one and three, great. If we somehow play well enough to get a second win, awesome. And then I think I went two, one and one and Joe went three and one with it. So we we're both like, I was kind of annoyed I did so well to start. Like I went 
two I went I drew my first game and won my next two and I was I was like I don't want to like I came here to have fun I wasn't trying to play competitively and now I'm like well I gotta try real hard on this one so um no it was it was a super fun event though I think uh Dan put on a on a great showing up there and it was such a it's the biggest one I'd been a part of before and everybody there was just such a blast to be around so every couldn't other than being closer I couldn't have asked for any more of an event so Awesome. So coming out of an event like that, what did that do for your hobby? Did it propel you into doing some more games, less games, more uh, hobby and building, uh, finishing the warband that you started? Uh, what were some of the result, uh, kind of implications of going to an event like this? Yeah, I think there's really no reason for me to ever finish that warband at this point. Um, you know, it's 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 run its course. Uh, it's It's got shelf space. I don't think I need to touch it again. No, I, I do want to finish it. It was such a fun idea. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Uh, but um, I definitely, like, I enjoyed the competitive aspect of it. Um, it wasn't, again, I, I didn't really build my list with, like, a massively competitive intent behind it. But um, it was, it, I enjoy, like, list building a lot. And so um, seeing some of the cool ideas that came out of there, and especially because, you know, we got, like, what, six, seven people that we usually play with. And we'll play the same thing for six to eight weeks. And so you don't get a whole lot of variety in that. So it was really fun playing some, um, just some stuff I hadn't seen on the table before and, like, getting some ideas and inspiration about, like, like, oh, cool, this would be really fun to play. Um, and then, yeah, just, I mean, I, I always enjoy that list building part. So getting some some fresh ideas on that one. Um, and again, just it was really nice to, to uh, be able to, <laughs> to not have my stuff painted and just have that really reinforced. So they're totally fine. Don't don't paint your stuff. That's I think that was my biggest takeaway was, you know, you don't have to ever finish anything. So. <laughs> Well, there's certainly a place for people to enjoy this game the way we want to play it. And it doesn't have to be in the paint. Uh, the building is fun, the, the kit bashing and then list building, all that kind of stuff. Um, what advice would you give or what what how what kind of encouragement would you give someone who's thinking about Warcry and either has an opportunity to go to an event or join a league in their area? Um, what would you say to them? Yeah, I think it's it's super helpful if you just happen to live in the same town as a bunch of podcasters to play the game. That was that was really I can't recommend it enough. It was a great jumping off point for me, and uh, it really worked out well. Um, but I think um, I, I think what do you like about it? Like figure out like, why are you being drawn to this? And then just really double down on that, at least to, to start with, you know, find, find the things that's already kind of inspiring you and then explore that. And then, you know, if it's the models, okay, find some more models. If it's the painting, find some stuff that's fun to paint. Um, and if it's the gameplay, then, you know, figure out how to, how to play with some people. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a really, there's, there's a lot of versatility and availability to, uh, expand what you want to do in the game. Um, and so, yeah, figure out the parts that you enjoy and then dig, dig deeper into that. Awesome. Uh, do you plan on keep playing with us or will you be leaving soon? Uh, like in the, the league? Uh, I got a, I got some stuff, um, you know, and it's not uh, it, like I, I'll probably come back again once 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 you finally, you know, release my family. I got it's what and what am I at like 15K now that I got to get going on for for their their safe return. But yeah, when, I mean, I'll probably be gone after that, but I would I would love to. To keep playing after that without, you know, the, <laughs> the shackling that you've put on me. So, I mean, I, I, I hear the words you're saying and your lips moving, but I don't know if I believe it. So we're just going to keep the arrangement we have for now. <laughs> uh, please, if anybody's listening. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> pulling that mic right now. <laughs> Mike, thanks for coming to this event with us. Thanks for being a huge part of our league, uh, the energy you bring, uh, currently running our our campaign arc for for our, our league, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, just thanks for being a part of this. 
yeah, I, uh, it's, I'm, I'm really glad I get to hang out with it. All jokes aside, I really enjoy the crew that we have and, uh, it's really, really fun and I appreciate, appreciate just hanging out with you guys. And, uh, yeah, I just, my only question is I just, I don't, I just realized you haven't been wearing pants this whole time or was that, did you take them off while we were talking? Uh, when you podcast, I can only hear you from the waist up. Mm, understood. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Do I, oh, so I should have had these off. Okay. Hold on. We don't expect everybody to know the rules right away. So, uh, it's where you did fine. You did just fine. I mean, it could have been better, but you did fine. You did fine. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Vint, you want to wrap us up? Sounds good. Now that we've talked about all of that, how are you guys feeling about the new expansion? Looking forward to it. Blood Hunt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ice for blood. All right, let's let's do it this way. Team Jacob (laughs) or Team Edward? (laughs) I like that. We're gonna steal your steal that, Dan. Team it was Siege. Good. It's very accurate, I mean, there's though. definitely some real like siege like ability going on yeah. with this next expansion. Oh my god, the terrain. Okay, that is a valid answer. Team terrain. Yeah. The <laughs> terrain is the best of the three boxes we've Team seen. Team palisade. And then <laughs> yeah, we get these palisades. You could make if you had three of these boxes, you could make an entire bamboo castle. How yes. cool that be? Yes. Yeah. I know. And I, like, I, I have a suspicion since the two big palisades are built on top of the skull tree and the spine tree that we've seen before. I think you could build them separate and like, you know, pull them together when you needed to, but have end up with like six pieces of oh, really good modular with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Okay. So if, if anybody's interested in not being totally card accurate, uh, you could. <laughs> pull those build those pieces separate so you could just have even more terrain to work with yeah 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 no definitely and i'm thinking about swapping out some of those spines and skulls for you know some of the scattered terrain like putting it in the maybe some of the ruins and stuff instead yeah so it's a little different even though it's the same tree (laughs) yeah it's going to be my second scattered terrain spruce so i think i might try to do something also yeah right take some of those little trees and maybe put them on some of those or something like that yeah I was a little worried that people would, were going to be like, oh, no, more trees. Because uh, we were certainly uh, rooting for some Chotec spaceship, yep, yep, right. yeah, spaceship terrain or something like that. Or like just mm-hmm. pieces of you know, rock formations popping out of the ground a little more or something. Um, but it's a, I think it's a good building out of that. Wonder what number four will be. So, right. It's baseless speculation based on this one. I think we might not get the actual Seraphon ruins until season two. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's why I started leaning to myself and you like Catacombs 2.0 sort of thing. Yeah, I was so sure we'd get one in this box, but then when we didn't, uh, I I do think it's going to be season two. I think the next one might be exploring more the bamboo, which I had been wondering about anyway. I mean, we're in this forest where there's only meat trees and bamboo but they hadn't done a single like large i want to see like the natural bamboo you know what does it look like well, like yeah. what does a thicket of bamboo look like in this world <laughs> that would be um, really cool yeah i don't think we'll see it but you know every every guess is a long shot so may as well. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Right, right. <laughs> absolutely awesome well i hope that more people come into the hobby because of this expansion so uh i think we can we can probably bank on that Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hope Definitely. so, too. Great. All right. Well, if you don't follow us already on our many social media platforms, we can find Eric at? Uh, at the Discord, themortalrealms.com forward slash Discord. I'm not really anywhere else these days. All right. 
and we can find Josh. Yep, uh, there as well, but also at uh, J.E. Arrington on Twitter, or, or at Dogs of Warcry at Twitter, or at Dogs of Warcry at gmail.com. Awesome. And I'm uh, D.O.W. Vince on Twitter, and also on the Discord fairly regularly when I get some time off. Uh, and then, of course, our special guest, Dan, where can they find you and your content? All right. You can find me on YouTube at the Salty Sea. That's T-H-E and then Salty spelled like salty and sea spelled like the Mediterranean. You can also occasionally once a month find me, I guessed, on the uh, Tabletop and Beyond podcast. They're a uh, little podcast network. They mostly cover uh, D&D, Big Hammer, and but once a month they do Warcry and, uh, and I show up with them. Awesome. Awesome. Very Super good. cool. Well, thanks, thanks so Dan, for coming out, and thanks for being on. Thank you so much. Uh, for it having was me. really awesome to have you have you on our our podcast here. Yep. Yeah, it was great to be here. All right. Bye. Until next time, everybody. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good dog, support the show with a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. Share it with friends. Join us for hobby discussions at themortalrealms.com backslash discord or leave a tip at themortalrealms.com backslash Patreon. More content is available at themortalrealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry.